Welcome to Bumbling Around. We're live. Your host, Tom Steinman, aka Steiner, uh, in the house. What's up, guys? Um, with me today, uh, usually people don't get to see me what I do before I get ready for this and on my way here. So you got to see my routine. It's my roommate. So people might think that's weird. <laughs> We're a little bit older now that I call you my roommate, uh, but I have no problem with it. Oh, me neither. Welcome to it, to Fumble Around, Adam Darren. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I've talked a lot, probably a lot about you. You and Chet, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the show. So I've been a big fan. I uh, listened to all the podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you have listened to all of them. You know everything I've been said. Oh, yeah. Uh, e- even the movie uh, March Madness Bracket, which was tough for me to get through. I yeah. I admit at certain points. But. Uh, what, was the, <laughs> what was the hard one for you? The... Oh, just, I mean, some of the staples from my childhood not even being included. Oh, yeah. The, like Little Giants, The Sandlot. I know. Rookie of the Year. We'll have to do that one again next year. Yeah. And include those. We'll yeah. have a. You d- definitely need to consult me and have me involved somehow in this for next year. See, it's it's hard to like put all that stuff together and then like yeah. Oh I yeah, I, I get it. it yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just breaking your balls. Oh, I know, I know. Yes. Um, but yeah, so you got to see me. Usually, I don't like to talk to my guest really before <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, we talked a little bit, but I kind of like played some rap. I, I usually play like rap music on the way here. You get yourself uh, all psyched up, Michael Phelps style. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, for sure. Because uh, <laughs> it's funny, it's like the same songs my baseball players will listen to. <laughs> and they have no idea that like I listen to these songs or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's just funny, cause, but they're hype songs. Yeah. Like, like, Damn, coach, I didn't know you got down. Oh, it's funny because Ambrose would come in and like, like oh, yeah, like, he likes, he likes uh, <laughs> the new 21 Savage song a oh, yeah. lot. And he just coming in and like the kids thought it was hilarious. Yeah, Ambrose a little into rap, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And then uh, there was another song on the other day. It was Mixed Person. I knew the song the title, Mixed Personalities. <laughs> and he was like, hey, what's this song called? And like, all the kids were like, mixed, you know, excited to tell him and stuff like that. But it's just funny that. I listen to those same, their heights, or I'm working out, yeah. same songs that I'm listening to. I mean, so yeah. people get down to like rock music or something like that, but I don't yeah. know. I well, like good hype songs. Well, I'm honored that uh, I got to see a little bit behind the curtain, got to see your uh, warm up. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you do a really good job with this, so yeah, it's good to see, uh, yeah. to see how you get prepare yourself. Yeah, even, uh, but like, even like, I get up at like usually by six o'clock and I'll be writing notes down for a couple hours. I didn't have to do too much research on you. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what, what, did you have to do a deep dive from me? No, I, not on you. <laughs> no. So today was kind of easier. Like, I didn't have to, like, look up anything. I kind of know basically everything. We just didn't talk sports, basically, for, like, the last week. Yeah, it's been tough. I, I've been kind of, you know, purposely trying not to to talk about sports with you so we have, you know, so we don't have any dead air here. Yeah. Because <laughs> normally, yeah, normally we'll, we'll sit down at the dining room table and talk sports a couple hours a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Especially like baseball, uh, yeah. and betting baseball, or you know, oh, yeah. even if we're not betting, like who we like, and like just you know, um, oh yeah, you are really good at, I think though, like coming up with, uh, I don't want to call them a scheme, but a plan to like bet like best and you know get your money's worth. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I try. Like I, I, for me, it's mostly data, you know, because kind of like what we touched about talked about on the fantasy podcast is i mean i didn't really have much baseball background yeah you know you know old school baseball ball background to draw on so i mean 
I'm more an analytic guy because that's just kind of what was kind of coming up as I got into baseball. So I kind of just kind of grew with it. And you were you went to school for like business management or accounting or what did you go to school for? Uh, I had a dual major in finance and accounting. Okay, so it's like perfect because like even yeah. like that those guys even go to like major league teams and stuff like that because it's all numbers a lot of the times. Like the eye says one thing. And it's good to have scouts, live scouts there and stuff, but like numbers, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. I mean, so I've been kind of learning the classic baseball stuff later, and I learned the analytics first. Where yeah. Kind of usually the opposite for most people, I imagine. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, the most of the success I've had in our league was, you know, just kind of, you know, reading the data, interpreting it, and like spotting trends, you know? Yeah. Not even knowing what exactly a player looks like yeah. or, you know, you just yeah. knowing their numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how much you can figure out about a player nowadays without ever watching them even play. I mean, yeah. now there's metrics on, you can see how often a guy's swinging at pitches in the zone, in the strike yeah. zone, outside the strike zone, what his contact percent is. Yeah. Like, what is uh you know launch angle is off the bat exit velocity they're analyzing everything yeah. now yeah and and when you put all those pieces together i mean it really starts to paint a picture you can really figure out what a guy's approach is yep. you know what kind of hitter he is yeah you know what he excels at i mean what kind of pitches he can hit you, you could know? never see him and you would not you know yeah, and never you, see him yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing what really the numbers is. could say so uh, yeah, you have that, uh, and I think that's what makes you kind of good at like betting too. Is like you're you're just putting all these numbers of puzzle pieces together and trying to come up with the best yeah. odds of what you think will happen. Yeah, I'm just trying to let the the data paint a you know a complete picture for me yeah. as best as possible. Now there obviously are important things that you kind of intangibles that you need to know outside of the data. And I, I feel like I get that from watching, you know, like the highlight shows, watching a little bit of baseball, yeah. you know, figuring out, you know, momentum, which way, you know, I know that's a classic talk radio thing, yeah. but like, it is kind of important, you know, identifying how a team's been, maybe they're on a hot streak, cold yeah. streak, if there's issues going on in the clubhouse with the team. I mean, there's a lot of things you could look at, yeah, oh, yeah. and make you sway one way or the other, or yeah. kind of like agree with the, you know, like, I don't agree with what they're putting this line at, I'm yeah. going to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, but you also read up on like a lot of like theory or philosophies of organizations and like yeah. kind of trust, you know, know, know who to trust in those yeah. processes. Yes, absolutely. There's just so much you could like, there's yeah. so many variables, I guess, when it comes into like calculating, like for baseball, oh, yeah. putting a team together yeah. and how to do it. There's definitely certain organizations I trust way more than others. I mean, like you look at the Astros with uh, Brent yeah. Strom, yeah. like what he's done with those, you know, with Verlander and Keuchel yep. and, uh, you know, Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton. Yeah. I mean, he, he's really worked his magic, which, I mean, I guess according to Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if he's say, saying that he's putting pine tar on the bar, balls or I what. I think that's but. the assumption that yeah. he kind of wanted. Trevor Bauer. That guy's a crazy, he's a character. Yeah, he's a character. <laughs> At least, I mean, but I then know. people hate on him. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I think he shouldn't poke my boy Bregman. That's what yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like nobody can win, though. You're either like, you're the trout, and you're not publicized enough, and you're not out there enough, yeah. or you're Puig, or you're you know, out there too eccentric and, yeah. or your Bauer and you're trying to, you know, you have a Twitter <laughs> yeah. and people beat you up on that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're Bauer or Puig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, but nobody's ever happy. Like you can no. never, you're always going to have haters of whatever. I, I like Trevor Bauer a lot as a pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, again, I don't like him talking crap about my boy Bregman. Yeah. You really like <laughs> Alex. I mean, you kept, I Bregman. love Alex yeah. Bregman. Yeah. Yes. So he's a really good base, good, good young baseball player. I just love everything about him, the way he plays the game. I mean, and his metrics and just everything's there. It's just a great all around baseball player and consistent. And yeah. 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 Got uh, on your side. Yeah. Yeah. We share, uh, I don't know what it is, 
you want to call it for the Lions. <laughs> uh, we loved him. We loved them. We hoped for them. Yeah. Are you where I'm at and just like done? I I mean I don't know if I'm as far as you are about you know willing to sell my fandom, but I mean I am pretty damn fed up. I'm, I'm definitely starting to feel like our fathers did, you know, when they used to tell us when we were young about the Lions being horrible for 50 years and yeah. you know, not having any hope. I mean, it is rough. I, I mean, mean did the draft give you any confidence? <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, if we're going to get into the draft, uh, here's how I would summarize the Lions NFL draft is, you know, good players, good fit, bad value. Yeah. That's basically how I would summarize it. You know, I, I like TJ Hawkinson, but eighth overall, I mean, you could argue whether they could have traded down and still got him. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with the next the next pick for sure. I mean, the oh, they Hawaii definitely, linebacker, yeah. uh, Jelani Tavai, I think his name is. Yeah. So ESPN didn't even have a highlight reel ready for the guy. He but wasn't ready. He everybody. wasn't ready. Yeah, he wasn't even in. Uh, I know, like, some of the publications were saying they didn't even include him in the draft magazine. It's so, <laughs> so. like. I mean, they really kept that one close to the chest. Like, oh, yeah. my gosh. You now, can't be doing that. I, I, I've heard, though, that that guy, he missed, like, the last five or six games of last season with some kind of injury. So, And he's actually a lot better than his stats last year indicate. So, And I, and I also heard Bill Belichick was kind of, uh, you know, kind of interested in him. So I don't know if there's a thing there with Patricia and Belichick trying to swipe each other's players. or I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it seemed a little early. I thought we should have taken. We could have taken Ed Oliver, or we could have moved up in the first round and try to get that six spot from like Jacksonville. Yeah, and got uh, who'd they take? I don't remember. Oh my gosh! I was uh, I was at the Avengers movie that. Oh yeah. Oh Josh <laughs> Allen. That should Josh. tell you how I feel about the Lions, kind of. I, I wish we would have one got up and got Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, instead of or traded up with the Giants, got ahead of the Jacksonville. That's what they should have done. Got ahead, traded with the Giants, who got Daniel Jones. Like, yeah, there's been a lot of chatter. The Lions that. had guys fall to them because of Oakland Raiders and the Giants picking guys that should have been picked that early. Yeah. And I was like, no way. Like, I was okay if they were going to take uh, Hawkinson with if the guys fell like they were supposed yeah. to. But when a guy like Ed Oliver fell, like, I'm like, okay, we're taking that guy, right? Yeah. And then it just, I don't think they were prepared. Yeah. That's why I feel conflicted because. I mean, I, I watched the highlight reel on Hawkinson, and man, this guy looks amazing. Like, he can—he's pancake blocking guys. You know, he's—they had him running the ball. He's hurtling over guys, making one-handed grabs in the end zone. I mean, well, he, he looks amazing. It's just—and there's no doubt he can impact the offense, both you know, in the passing game for Stafford, and in the running game as a blocker. But it just—you know—taking t- a tight end top ten is. It's rough. Well, I guess especially given our history, they're saying they're gonna might run a lot of two tight end sets with Daryl Bevel running the uh, offense there. So yeah, but it sounds like Patricia's conservative offensive style. Yeah, man. Ah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, good player. Yeah, just don't necessarily like where he's taken. Yeah, I I just feel like uh, we just lost Ebron. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, and he like he became a Pro Bowler, and like he's la- he's literally l- making laughing, crying face emojis at us during the draft when we drafted a tight end. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I follow him on Twitter, I lost a hundred dollars to a Greek Town Casino played poker against him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what it vaguely reminds me of is uh, 
and this is what I always love about this time of year with the draft is uh, remember those old school uh, Jets reaction videos oh, we yeah. used to watch oh, yeah. when they used to have the draft in oh, yeah. Radio City Music Hall. Oh no! There's the the one where they're the whole crowd's chanting, "We want Sap! Yeah. We want Sap!" Oh, and then yeah. the commissioner gets up there and he's like, "With the fifth or whatever pick of the NFL draft, the New York Jets take." <laughs> Tight end, and before he even got the player's name, it's like tight end. One guy goes, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then he's on TV. He's like, we, "Everybody said oh, we yeah. wanted Sap. Oh, we yeah. Sap." If anybody hasn't seen that, I highly recommend like yeah, watching that compilation of just Jets fans' reaction to draft picks. There's like another one where they're interviewing a fan after the draft, and he's just like dumbfounded. He's like, "Man, he's like Marino was there, and everybody said if he was there, we were gonna take him, yeah. but I guess the Jets just know some we don't." <laughs> It's just, yeah. you know, in hindsight, hearing that's hilarious. I know. Well, because you were like, I guess they know. What do I know? Like, I'm not there yeah. at the Columbine. I'm not talking to these guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially back then, you know, these some of these picks are like the 80s, 90s, I oh, mean, yeah. before the internet. Yeah. You know, you just have, you have to have faith in the program because they're just operating with way more information, you think, than you have. So. Yeah. But <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> I felt the Lions weren't prepared for everything. Like, that, was, that yeah. could happen in the draft, and they kind of just had their guy and maybe got stuck. I don't know. Like, they should have had back. I don't know. That's how I would do it. Like, I would have backup plans. You know, if, if yeah. almost any guy in that top that we could get, what do we do? How do we, you know, if these. Yeah. You'd think guess. in that war room, yeah, they'd be prepared for every possible scenario. I mean, how long do you have to prepare for this? I mean, so many of these people, that's their job. So. And you should still have some type of, like, order. Like. Yeah. Has anybody seen the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner? Yeah, that's all you need to see, right? Yeah, you could you could do this. I was hoping for a draft more like that. Yeah, from the lights. You know, I know, man. Trading all over the place, you know. Yeah, going from hopeless to man, these guys got a, somehow got a shot this year. You yeah. know, which I mean, we did have an impressive free agency. Uh, Flowers. It, yeah, and the and I mean, I guess what people are kind of saying early reactions to this draft is that this kind of indicates the Lions are in win now kind of mode, you know, with Stafford and. And everybody, but you know, I, I I'm definitely frustrated with the damn Lions. Uh, uh, I'm very apathetic. I would take Haskins. Yeah, I would take the quarterback. Yeah. Did you see Haskins' reaction though to being uh, picked later than he thought he would be? He said something. Yeah. I know. What did he say? He was saying something about he's like the league done messed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You all about to see. But like you know, a lot of people pointed out that a lot of guys that have had that kind of attitude after after getting picked late just end up being like you know. Uh, just flops, this ultimate yeah. flops. And the guys who end up being great, like Aaron Rodgers, just kind of keep their mouth shut. They're not like, oh, the league done messed up and they yeah, should have yeah. taken me. Like, no, they just put their head down. They're like, I'll show you guys. Yeah. But they're not just talking a bunch of crap, like, you know, typical Ohio Stater. Who's the uh, who's the Cleveland quarterback? Johnny Menzel? Uh, well, he used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's who I meant. Like, he got, like, he was kind of like a crap talker. Oh, yeah. He was really good. And oh, really yeah. good. Flashing the money symbol with his hands. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Something to a little humility and being humble. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important. I mean, you know, everybody likes a little bit of smack talk, but I mean, I don't know. It just tells a lot about a guy's character. Yeah, like don't talk about it. Go be about it. Like, yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, don't blame everybody else. You know, just you know, it is what it is. Yeah, change. Yeah, do what you do. You know? But these guys are young, and he probably thought he was probably told, yeah. you know, he's gonna be a top ten player, and yeah, you know, he's just. Yeah, I think it just rubs people the wrong way too. That you know, you should kind of you should have some sense of gratitude that you're just getting drafted. You know, you're you're in such a you know top oh, tier yeah. of athletic talent in the world. But once you're in that tier, though, it's yeah. like oh, yeah. that's regular life. So you're with all those guys. Like all those guys know each other. Like they've been all playing oh, yeah. football and scouted each other out since high school. Yeah, yeah. You're thrown into the big pond. Yeah, you used to be in the big fish in, in a small pond. Yeah, and 
again, like a lot of ego probably involved, like when you're at wow. that type of level. And they're young. These are kids. Yeah. No, 20 years old. I mean, we were talking about on our fantasy uh, <laughs> episode of how we used to act on the message board sometimes oh, yeah. in our early 20s to each other. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I couldn't uh, imagine being put on a national stage at that age. So yeah, you're right. I'm being, I'm definitely being hard on this guy too because I have a clear bias against Ohio State. Yeah, him, so. <laughs> yeah. You're you're a yeah. Michigan boy. Yeah, I'm you sure would... if this was some other guy, I wouldn't be as hard on him. But screw it. Yeah, I'm allowed to have, be biased. <laughs> yeah, Lions went defense after that. Like, yeah. uh, got the linebacker from Hawaii second round. Will Harris, safety from Boston College. Fourth round, Austin Bryant, DN from Clemson. Who, it's hard to like good school, big school. You know, but was it him? Was it the rest of his line? Yeah. You know, I don't mind taking it, trying to get a piece of it. Maybe it's him more than other people are are knowing. You know, so yeah, I don't mind that. Uh. Cornerback from Penn State. I'm surprised how good Penn State is. Yeah, no kidding, right? They really rebounded. Yeah, like pedophilia? Like, that's a hard one to come back from. I I mean, there was talks that that whole program was about to be scrapped. They were about to lose the football program. Yeah. And then somehow they come back, and yeah, they're like. (laughs) Like, how are they talking kids to come to that school? I don't know. I mean, it really makes me pissed off about how Michigan's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, though, like, (laughs) as a parent, I'd. Man, that's scary no, as a parent. I, yeah, I don't know how you make that pitch. I mean, that was yeah, that was really nasty. That whole that whole thing, and the, just how the levels it was covered up at, and yeah, I don't want to get too much into it because it's just a yeah, it's a touchy subject all yeah. around. But I yeah, for that I I don't understand how that program even like how it, the school should. I mean, yeah, they yeah. were they were just saying football was going to be done. Yeah, <laughs> just no more football. And then now they're they're putting people in the NFL still. Yeah, guys are going there. I mean, I guess that's just how big. College football is, guys. You yeah. know, the, all these players are making millions of dollars. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. All these schools are making millions, billions of dollars. Yeah, no kidding, man. You know? Yeah, college football is another thing. I mean, with I said about the Lions, I'm very apathetic. The, I mean, college football, it's been a rough decade to be a Michigan Wolverines fan, too. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely not into college football and pro football as much as I used to be. It's hard, right? I yeah, mean, it's it really hard to is. dedicate so much time and energy to something that just – it's heartbreaking. It really is. All yeah. the time. Like, it's good not to win all the time, so you uh, you appreciate winning, but it sucks losing all the time. Oh, yeah. I definitely didn't appreciate growing up going to all those Michigan games, how good they Early were. Early on. I just yeah. felt like it was the Harlem Globetrotters. You well, know, like yeah. every game you go to, you just expect Michigan to win. Yeah, but then you're, like, pissed off if uh, they don't get a national championship. Yeah, until I started going to games with you. Yeah. And then, I know. <laughs> and then, and then they lose. To, yeah. I've tried. I, I try not to care. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be the cause of their hurt. Because no, you're not the cause. It's just weird coincidence. Yeah, bad coincidence. Yeah. Uh, but Michigan sent some players to the NFL this year. I mean, so yeah. they they had talent. Yeah, and, the, and it was expected the Lions might have you know might have selected some of them, but yeah. they, they decided not to. Tight end from Iowa. Yeah. Uh, uh, Belichick seemed to like uh, Chase Winovich. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how he does. Yeah, uh, that's a guy just, again, you know, it's kind of like what I talked about with Bregman earlier. It's just, that's a guy you want on your side. You know, he's got that fire in him. He's competitive and he's, and he's good, you know, he, most importantly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, who else did we take? We took, then we took a wide receiver. Oh yeah, we took a wide receiver <laughs> from Old Dominion. Okay. We do need, but that's in the sixth round. So I don't yeah. know how good, and a running back <laughs> in the sixth round. Yeah. For the Lions, these picks are usually worthless. I know. Like you'd be more excited, yeah, if you were maybe a Patriots or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, you... so, somehow the Patriots turn, yeah, coal into diamonds. But they seem to be trying to go for like specific players for their type of, but like, reaching to the second round when the guy was supposed to go sixth or seventh round or whatever it was, is just too far of a reach. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, that tells you a lot that ESPN didn't have a highlight reel ready. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was just yeah. completely shocked. I mean, you, you top 150 players get a highlight reel. Yeah. At least. Yeah. He's like a silhouette player in Madden. Yeah. <laughs> like, he did not expect. Like, how did he not know? <laughs> it seemed... Uh, did you see? It did look like T.J. Hawkinson knew in advance. He wore those Lion King socks to the draft. Did you see yeah. that? <clears throat> yeah. So he might have had some kind of idea. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they already were kind of like set, and I don't yeah. think they were really too willing yeah. to like adapt. Like they kind of maybe thought this was going to happen, how it was going to play out, and they were going to have yeah. to take Hawkinson. Yeah. Again, it wouldn't shock me if that guy is a great tight end. I mean, but it just you, you have to. I mean, if you could have got him later, you should have. A lot of people could be watching Ed Oliver, who went right next yeah. after that. Ed Oliver and then uh, Josh Allen, because like I said, yeah. like we could have maybe moved up, like the Giants, who were could have probably definitely still got Daniel Jones two picks later. We would have switched with them when that when we see Josh Allen fall. Like give him a fourth rounder, third, whatever you got to do, a third yeah. rounder with that. Like if you believe, I don't know if they were ready for that. If they just. I don't know. Yeah. A, a couple of the mocks I saw before our draft, you know, they had the Lions trading down to around 14 and getting them. Still taking Hawkinson. But yeah. yeah or, 14. yeah. Yeah. Or you're telling me, yeah, like somebody else didn't like want at Oliver. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah, you could have exactly. traded down and got exactly. Hawkinson then. Yeah. Because you went the very next pick. So somebody might have been interested, you know. I don't know. Were they prepared? And then, and then like, oh, no. Oh, well, we got our guy. Yeah. <sighs> Man. Yeah, it's just always something with the Lions. I don't trust them, man. No, I don't either. So. I've I've tried to be the rah rah. Like, come on, you got to we're gonna believe in these guys. This is a year. <laughs> like, I've seen too much in my life with these guys. I mean, just too many times. You know, the great. This is gonna be the greatest show on turf part two, and you know all that crap from the past. <laughs> yeah, man. When they drafted the Charles Rogers and Roy Williams and oh yeah, Mike Williams. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, god! When we thought Mike Williams was the greatest steal ever, yeah, because we he didn't play the year before or whatever yeah. because he got an agent and yeah. he like got all fat though. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad pick. We got it. We took him like seventh overall or something or eleventh. Yeah. He fell to us and we couldn't believe it. Even though we already had two wide, really good wide receivers or who we thought were good, let's go get a third so we could be the New Indianapolis Colts. Yep, uh, and that didn't work out very well for us. What if Joey Harrington? Would Joey Harrington have been a good, better quarterback somewhere, or is he just a bad pick? Uh, I don't know. I, he, yeah, I don't know. It, he just, he just, I don't know. He didn't seem to have that fire in him. The Lions will do that to you. He wasn't, he, just <laughs> was, he never assumed that leadership role and I don't know. Lions I, will do that to I just, you. I, yeah, the Lions are, uh damn it. <laughs> I know, man. Who? Someone buy my fandom, please. Give me a decent <laughs> offer. I can't take ten dollars to be a Jacksonville. I was saying the current rate's ten bucks. Ten bucks. Can we get fifteen? Can we get twenty bucks? Yeah, something, man. I got too much lies stuff that like I'd have to give up. It's been a while since I bought Lions stuff. I will, I will say that. <laughs> Kim's dad parents gave me like stuff for like we went to the uh, Lions game for Christmas and stuff or whatever. And I was trying to sell my fandom. Yeah. They uh. Gave you a nice little like, a nice shirt. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't. It's not even a shirt. It's like a sweater type thing. It's nice. Yeah. I still rock some of my old line stuff on game days, but you know, I, I try to be loyal and be I a know. fan, and I really do want the best for these guys. But yeah, damn it, just do something already. I know. Yeah. This is just getting embarrassing. Yeah. Every year it's the same thing. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Yeah. I. Yeah, I need something. To, you gotta, you gotta trick me again. They keep, yeah. They're pretty good at that. They, yeah. As soon as I'm out, they somehow like bring me right back in, just like with oh, the, yeah. the Patriots win. Like I was out, they won the beat the Patriots. They're like, okay, maybe. 
Maybe they figured it out. Yeah. Nope. And just lately, it, they've been giving us these glimmers of hope. Oh, yeah. And just like, you know, just to be a mediocre team. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. We can't win a – just give us a playoff win, man. We would go nuts for a playoff win. Oh, yeah. We were the Super Bowl. The city of Detroit might burn down. Oh, this city's dying for a football team. Yeah. They are dying. I mean, yeah, they'll burn down the city if they get to the Super Bowl. I mean, we we got the – what was the ninth or eighth pick? We had the eighth pick. So we were the eighth worst fantasy – or not fantasy, but just worst team in the NFL. Yeah. We're probably not going to be good again. Probably not. Again, you know, some good free agent ads they had in the offseason, but yeah. – uh, you know, it's just the typical Lions. You know, it's enough to get you, you know, excited a little bit, but just enough to let you down. Flowers will probably get hurt now, now that he's out with the Lions. He'll, yeah. he'll have all these injuries and be the next uh, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. And who knows what the hell is going to happen Ezekiel. with Stafford. Anza. Uh, yeah. Stafford, oh, my gosh. Ugh. Like, <laughs> all the, the best arm in the world. Yeah. You know, it's, when it just comes down to pure arm, he can. He loves sidearm in those balls. <sighs> And he can make those throws. Yeah. I just don't know. Just doesn't do it. Yeah, I don't, it, it's just weird because he can look so good at certain points, and just it's enough to keep you like, oh man, this is why we got this. A guy. few of those comebacks. He's had a few good comebacks. Yeah. But we just still live on those. Like. Yeah. When you look really look at the numbers and wins and like how many actual comebacks he's had, like. Yeah. The argument with him has just always been that he's a garbage stat guy. You know, yeah, he he racks up the stats against bad teams when we're already down a ton. You know, trying yeah, to yeah. come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he accumulates tons of stats, but just you know, it's not very effective as far as winning games. Yeah, look at his win record. Yeah. It's just awful. So yes. yeah, he's yeah a lot of those stats I would agree, or like some of those comebacks were just like ridiculous when like we had Cal- like the one year he had a bunch of comebacks. And I yeah. think that's what we're all like hoping for is like that type of like he just had a really good year and it looked like he was a leader. Yeah. That was a fun year to watch the Lions, uh, even though obviously they didn't do much. But uh, we had a lot of yeah, a lot of entertaining comebacks. And yeah, yeah, and it was good to be on that. But like again, like we thought we were like good, but it was almost like probably a little bit of luck. Yeah. And then we can't. Then we haven't done anything since. So that, like we built off of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a little bit. We just got lucky and won the end of games because we were able to throw it out to Kelvin Johnson. Yeah. I mean that guy was a beast. What? That really was. I mean, him and Barry Sanders, we've been lucky yeah. to have those two athletes. Yeah, we had arguably one of the best running backs of all time in the 90s, and then we had arguably one of the best wide receivers of all time in yeah. the 2000s. Yeah. Like, he might have, he could have been on a different team, maybe, or like, if you just, again, I think the Lions beat the will of football out of like you sometimes. Like, yeah. Stafford definitely leaned too heavily on Calvin Johnson, too. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of times you just would force it to him, and yeah. no matter what the coverage was. and. I know a lot of people wanted that, but yeah, but like yeah, like the rest of the really, team suffered. Yeah, when you really think about it, like you should, that shouldn't be the only thing you have. Yeah, that you should be able to build on that. Like you yeah. get a superstar like that to draw attention away from everybody else. Now yeah. you should be able to like game plan and figure out other ways. Yeah, you know, like it's not the same guy every week for the Patriots that wins. That's how they win. Like they yes. they they find a weakness and they exploit it. Yes, they look what they have. Like. We would we just have top players and we just give it to them. Yeah, and it's predictable and everybody yeah. knows it's coming. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, the Patriots are just so good at at exploiting your weakness and finding that key role player to that they're gonna just this yeah. guy this week this guy's gonna be yeah. the stud. Uh, or you know what running back are we gonna throw out there? We need a faster guy because these guys are a little slower. Okay, these guys are a little smaller. We're gonna throw a big guy and just pound it. Like they're looking at what you're putting out there and then they're making their strategy based on that. Yeah. That's good teams. Like yeah. we, what we do is we're like, oh, can we have your player, other guys and stuff, like coaches <laughs> and players, like your, you know, yeah. that you don't want. We'll yeah. start our team. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a frustrating frustrating 50 years for the Lions. And that's why I don't trust Belichick saying that he, <clears throat> he liked that pick or whatever. He was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't trust that's exactly him. exactly what a guy like that would say. Oh, yeah, dude. He's like, he just wants to help his friend out, but also, yeah, like... BS. I don't yeah. trust anything that guy says. Yeah. yeah, he's more like, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, everybody leaves me. They lose to me anyways. So. That, that guy is a competitor, man. I watched the 30 for 30 on him, like the two bills or whatever. Yeah. Man, that guy is a competitor. He <sighs> hates to lose. So it wouldn't doubt me at all. I wouldn't be surprised. It, it's hard when you have that type of competitive level to not, like, almost, like, be crazy or, like, let the power get to you or just yeah. be too abusive or something. Yeah, I, I think that is a part of, you know, a lot of these guys that are greats. So, you know, you do have to have that competitive spirit. Just you hate to lose. You know, Yo, like Tom yeah. Brady hates to lose. Oh, yeah. Like, and the the fear of loss and just hating, I mean, that, that's what keeps you going. You just yeah. don't want that feeling again. Yeah, and uh, he's – Whatever he's done there, if it's creating the processes, if it's cre- the organization, it's, I mean, everybody talk like, everybody wants to go there to win. Yeah. You know, and that, that was part of the issue with Patricia is he thought he could just be Belichick over here and just, like, demand respect. You just haven't earned your respect yet. Yeah, he tried to instill the same kind of culture over here, but he tried to do it too quickly, and the, the guys just weren't buying into it. I mean, you have to have some kind of, you know, level of success before you can demand that out of players. I mean, because that's a lot. Yeah, for especially for these guys, you know, grown men that are professionals and been in the league for a while, to just all of a sudden get them to change their ways. Yeah, you know, they got to have some kind of you know faith. Trust. That you know what the hell you're going. Yeah. yeah uh, coaching the varsity mm-hmm. baseball team, I'm coaching like as the new guy. Like, I can't just come in busting balls. Yeah, exactly. You know who's like who's this guy? Who's he yeah. trying to tell me? Like, yeah. he's just coming in here telling me, you know, telling me I suck and stuff or whatever. Yeah. So I got to come in. I got to be nice. I got to you know like earn their respect, earn their trust, let them know that I'm here, you know, like I want the best for them. I'm just here to help and stuff. And then I can, you know, be a little hard on them. Yeah. But to come out right away and just be a ball buster just isn't going to work in most part. Yeah. You guys talked about this last week. Uh, was it you and uh, what was his name, Tony? Uh, Tommy. Tommy. Uh, you guys were talking about once you get a kid to trust you, I mean, you guys then – you know, they'll do anything for yeah, you. They'll run up through a wall for yeah. you. But you can't just, yeah, you can't just come in. They're, they're just going to ignore you if you come in right off the bat and just start demanding this and acting like you're, you know, top yeah. dog and all that. You, you got to outwork them almost. You got you to put in a lot of work. And then, like, that's at least how I, I do it. It's mm-hmm. like I try to, you know, do everything I can, you know. Like, I'm yeah. not getting paid or anything yeah. like that. So There has to be mutual respect. Yeah, you know. Uh, but a lot of times it should be, it, co- it should come from, I think, the leader, which is, like, coaches or, you know, leadership, like, can't just expect young guys all the time just to be respectful and stuff like that. Yeah. You got to show them yeah. how to do it. Yeah, and yeah. it's good that too that you guys were talking about. You know, that it's important to remember that there needs to be a balance too. You know, these kids, these are high school kids. You know, yeah, it's, they need to have a fun experience too. It's not just all about winning and losing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's important that they're enjoying. You know, it makes their high school experience better. Yeah, for sure. But I also think there's something to like helping a kid push through adversity and better himself. And yeah. just even if they're not going to college, like. Be, learning to get better at something is going to help you in other phases of your life. This is why I think it's so important. Like to do something that you might not think you're capable of and achieve it is a great feeling. It really is. And so that, so yeah, there's a happy medium somewhere in there, and like how hard you push kids, and is it you know, the the dream is to have them all self motivated, 
learning by themselves, watching videos, watching their own videos, analyzing stuff like that. But that's just not the reality. Yeah, you know, obviously high school kids are more concerned with chasing tail and you know, yeah. doing whatever else. Yeah, yeah, it being teenage kids a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I'm not in that phase anymore. Yeah. A little bit more self-control. Yeah, yeah we've grown up a little bit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what's been the what's been the most challenging thing about coaching that you maybe didn't expect so far? What do you say? Uh, the whining, <laughs> just like you made it out, and just like getting up, beating yourself up, and getting over. I don't know. I just yeah. uh, maybe I just didn't do that. Like I, I just wanted to go get at back at it. I want another shot. Like. Yeah. You need to have a short memory. Yeah, like kind of playing softball. If I make an error or something, I obviously was meant. But like, I, I'm like, I'm mad at myself, but I want the ball back. Yeah, you know, I'm not there whining like, oh, poor me or something like yeah, that. You want a chance to to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes these guys have a bad at bat or make a bad play in the field, and it just gets to them mentally. And I guess I just, I don't think I was that way. I don't know. I guess I just never had a weak mental game, like. I just wanted to get after. I don't care if I'm down ten nothing. I'm going to keep playing. Like I don't know. Like, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that, that's a great trait to have, especially in sports. I mean, where you can just yeah, you, know, you can deal with failure that quickly. I mean, you need to have that attitude. You know, just yeah. get yourself back up and go at it again. Yeah. Uh, it probably helps too that you're very gifted. You know, you're you're really good athlete. So I don't think some, I was naturally gifted. I think I just played a lot of sports. Just a lot of repetition. Yeah. Muscle with, memory with and, the Putex. Yeah. They yeah. were. I don't. Again, was it? natural talent or was it what we were that's what we just did we made we'd make up games and play them we'd combine sports we made up <laughs> rules like so like it was that's why it was so natural for me to go play tennis like because i've i was just naturally athletic because we just played all different types of sports which i'd recommend everybody to do so you're not just relying on like certain maybe uh muscles groups and stuff like you're you're becoming i don't know good at everything fluent in everything yeah Man, I, yeah, it almost would have been good if uh, we would, all would have became friends sooner because I feel like I was on the opposite end of that spectrum where I was playing no sports. Even though I played football, I yeah. mean, you know, I was doing a lot of, you know, things that, you know, I was I played defense primarily and then, you know, I was an offensive lineman. So, I mean, it's not like I was catching balls and, you know, doing athletic yeah. things like that. But you were I, putting up some weight in high school. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, like I was able to – I was pretty fast. I was lifting weight. I was in great shape. See, I but, was like the opposite of that. Yeah. I had none of that. I just played sports. Like yeah. I was just athletic. It, like because like Mike Hall would see me like it's like gym and stuff and like laugh at me <laughs> because he's like how are you? especially like ninth grade because I was like pretty chubby ninth grade too, and he's like how do you do this like <laughs> you know and you've seen that with like Stephen Putek yeah oh yeah and like softball and like because Stephen the youngest of the Puteks. He's he's always been like heftier and stuff, just held on weight, but he could just play through it. And he's still fast. And like he's just he so like it shocks me every time I see him. <laughs> he flies around the bases. And yeah. Like he'll those, play center field, like making yeah. diving catches. Yes. I think he's having knee surgery or yeah. something though. Or yeah, it's like our whole softball team just tries to do like a white man can't jump hustle. Yeah. On other teams. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, roll well, that's kind of how we were. We just like we didn't care. Like we never like we're like the best looking athletes. You know, like we didn't yeah. have the nicest new gear and stuff. We we show up last minute. We wouldn't stretch and let's go, baby. Let's play. Like yeah. That's, that's yeah. You guys weren't concerned about matching socks and all that stupid nope. crap that some of these guys were nope. looking nope. good. No, nope. we'd show up last minute barely. We'd be lucky if we had all of our equipment. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Like, 
No, we were just gamers. We just loved oh, yeah. to play. Chet's still that way now, where yeah, yes. like just scrambling softball. Like, oh, I got to get a mitt from here. My cleats are over here. Yeah. Like, just, oh, oh, yeah. It all comes together like five minutes before the game uh, starts. You don't know? play at a beer league hockey game with him because you're like, you're like, where's Chet at? The Zamboni's on the ice. And yeah, then, yeah. then he's coming in. Yeah. Well, he's got to finish a game of Madden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the old high school. Uh, yeah. That, high that, school. Those stories just shock me. Like how the whole bus would have to wait for yeah, <laughs> to finish man. a video game. Yeah. But, just. Well, when you're a superstar, you get away with that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, special treatment. Just doesn't send a good... I understand that, yeah, the team needed him, but just not a good message to send high school sports. Well, he wasn't a good leader. The coach yeah. wasn't a good leader. The only way he was even to hold his job is if, like, the record looked good and people were happy. Yeah. Like, because, like, the athletic director at the time didn't know anything about hockey. The only reason he even hired the guy was because he was able to say he was from a... He assisted coach at a collegiate uh, level at Alabama Huntsville. So... The guy's like, okay, sounds good to me. And then, you know, you you you're also a teacher at Trenton, though, so that should tell you something because Trenton's high school team is like elite level, state championship level. So why are you not coaching there? Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Some holes there. Yes, there's <laughs> definite holes. But when you hire people, you don't know everything, and you know, you just try to do the best you can do. Yeah. But he was not a good leader. Yeah. And that shows with allowing guys like that to like run the team yeah do allow whatever they want that's not you can't do that yeah you're not send a good message no that's the reason why you didn't last very much longer after that uh things got a little out of hand the next season luckily i did not do anything yeah but uh yeah it's a a shame that yeah we all didn't hook up sooner and i could have uh maybe you know rubbed off some my uh you know the way I prepare, yeah, you know, like lifting weights and all that stuff, yeah, and working for out. Sure, that would and then, definitely. And then if I could have, you know, got some reps in with you guys, you know, playing because I do think that you know when you compete against superior talent, I mean, it just automatically makes you better. Well, I would say that definitely, maybe. I mean, I don't want to. I hate to call myself superior talent, but like when we first started playing tennis together, I would say I was superior. Like. You had a hard oh, you're time. You're far keep... superior. Okay, yeah. I, I I hate saying that. Yeah, you'd always win. Yeah, I and mean, I was yeah, it was good exercise. Like the main thing we we're going out there is just something to get out and do. You know, we were just out of high school a couple of years. You know, yeah. we had our freshman fifteen. You know, but I would lose. just say like you got much better though after play. Like you would win sets and stuff like that. Like so, it just got a lot. You know, you just got a lot better. But you rise to your competition. Yeah, like if you play lesser competition, you're not going to get better. Like this, why it's never good to like always be the top. Like if you're just always the top, you're not really learning. Yeah, you're not challenging. So move yourself. up, you know. Sometimes it's good to move kids up a next level or something like that, just to get them more challenged, you know, and let them adapt, see if they can do it. Um, yeah. No, I, I I agree. Well, the MLB season's gone off, and uh, Tigers are about at where I expected them to be. Actually, they're a little bit better. Yeah, I, I would I would say they actually have overachieved a little bit so, so far. far. I don't expect them to finish it. I feel oh well, they've been losing to the White Sox lately, so <laughs> yeah. I, I I see the White Sox finishing ahead of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The White Sox are actually still building for the future and like yeah. plan on winning soon. We are too, but like the immediate future, we're definitely not. Like yeah, but they at least already have like you know their core young players are already. Getting MLB experience, exactly. you know, Mancada and Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, they're definitely ahead of the curve on us with that, which kind of scares me, you know, because our kind of run might run it to their type of run. Yeah, at the same timing, uh, with when our pitchers come up. So they yeah. are pitchers versus uh, they got Kopech, so they got some, and they got Giolito and Lopez. So yeah, we'll see. But yeah, unlike with the Lions, with the Tigers, I can at least see where the you know where the organization's going, and I can see yeah. the light. At the they had the to rebuild. Yeah, it just sucked. We never won the championship. Yeah. 
And I think they did do an impressive job of rebuilding so quickly. You know, it wasn't yeah. that long ago where we were, you know, highest, one of the highest, you know, payrolls, payrolls. in baseball, one of the worst farm systems. We were just one in of the complete worst win now. Yeah. yeah. And we were, we were complete yeah. win now mode. We were, and we weren't any good. Yeah. We were win now mode and nowhere near like the yeah. top, especially like maybe to make the playoffs, but not near like the top teams, the Houston Astros, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the, yeah. the Dodgers, where those teams are at. So even yeah. if we got lucky to make the playoffs, we were not going to win. Yeah. So it just seems so hard for a team like the Cardinals, like they did when they were like 500 or to make the wild card and like beat every, like these top teams are just seem to be really, really good. They are. It's another level, especially in the AL too. You know, it's a very top heavy league. Yeah. Kind of, even though, you know, like Boston's not doing that well to start, but you know, before the year, I thought it was, you know, pretty much Houston, New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox were, you know, pretty far and away, like the best yeah. three teams. Yeah. 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 And then the Cleveland Indians, I yeah, think. Yeah, they're there, but, you know, just the nature of our division, yeah, yeah. obviously, they, the, you know, somebody's got to win. Yeah, and, but they should – I don't think – I mean, maybe the Twins. A lot of people like like the Twins, but yeah, uh, the Indians are definitely – if they don't, it's it'll be not good for them. Yeah. You know, so yeah, the twins, The Twins made some sneaky moves in the offseason, you know, to, to make themselves uh, yeah. competitive. Yeah the, yeah, the Nelson Cruz signing was a big one. Yeah, he's been a good at bat. Yeah. Uh, he's just he's got home runs. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a really good at bat. Yeah, big hitter. Um, they are able. They had a DH open, so not not a not a bad signing. Marwin Gonzalez hasn't been that good. We'll no. see what happens to him. Uh, Scopes seemed to have picked it up. Here yeah, lately. Scopes been good lately. Yeah. So, uh, Buxton's doing all right. Yeah, so, yeah. He's not as you know pitiful as he's been. Yeah, so, yeah. He's been stealing bases and has a respectable. Average and on base, I believe. And he's going to play really good defense. So he's yes, playing really yes. good defense. He's, he's, so he's near top that's of the league. Elite level. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, uh, man, have you seen that Ramon Laureano kid, man? Yeah, he's, for the A's. He's been something. Oh, yeah. His defense, like, he's made some of the best plays, like, ever. Like, yeah. but definitely for the year. His arm, he could throw guys out from left center outfield wall to, like, first base. Yeah, did you see that double play on, uh, I think it was last Sunday? Yeah, he overthrew the yeah. first base. Yeah. And then was it the catcher got the ball like by the dugout and threw the guy out? Yeah, threw him out to Prefar at second. It was like, yeah, just your typical 8-4-2 double play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, throwing a guy, like, he over he overthrew first base by at least 30 feet from yeah. the warning track in center field. Yeah. Which is just insane. Does he leave the league in assist? Yes, I think it's not even close. Like. Do not run on this guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I wanna, that's a message. I, I remember reading up on, like, how they got him, too. I want to say it was, like, th- from another team. So yeah, like, I didn't know a ton about him until, you know, he started making these headlines this year. Because, you know, on a fantasy radar, he wasn't, you know, offensively he's not. I, I had him last year at the end of last year. Oh, yeah? Uh, as Because he, he was leading off for a little bit when he got called up. And uh, I needed stolen bases and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so I knew about him a little bit. Uh, but nobody knew that he was going to be like be this good. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it just seems like every like twice a week he's making these unbelievable plays. Yeah. Uh, did you see a Braves hit home yeah, run? Yeah. And then he overran Tim Anderson, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it only ended up being a two-run single instead of a home run. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, man, that's got to be embarrassing. Like yeah. nobody's paying attention. Like, <laughs> just like, oh my gosh. You can't be doing that at the major league level. No, no, you could definitely can't be making mental mistakes like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's been a weird series here with the White Sox. That game a couple nights ago was just insane. And we just went and beat Boston a doubleheader. So I'm like, oh yeah, right, no. and then we go and lose. We've been losing to the White Sox lately. Yeah, 
The Red Sox, man, they need to figure something out. They have one of the worst. I think they might have the worst run differential in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, it's not good either with the way the teams in their division have started. Because yeah. the Yankees are 16-11, and 11, and then you got the Rays at 17-9. and 9. Best team in baseball right now, win percentage, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I liked them yeah. at the beginning of the year, but man. Just think about that for a second. So the, the Boston Red Sox are top of the league in payroll, and the Tampa yep. Bay Rays are the bottom of the league in payroll. Yeah. The and Yankees are up there, too. They're opposite. Yeah. So the results are kind of the opposite. Uh, what the Rays are doing is really unbelievable how they have acquired to put that team together. Because I was kind of like off of them once they lost Friedman, like so who was yeah. the, he was their GM. He went to the Dodgers. They lost Joe Madden, who was their coach. He yeah. goes to uh, Chicago Cubs. So I was like, huh, I'm a little off this bandwagon for a while because I didn't know Kevin Cash and I didn't know I forgot who the GM now is. Friedman, no, else he's left. But whoever it is now. Uh, these guys are doing a great job of acquiring all this talent. They went and got Tommy Pham from the oh, yeah. from the Cardinals. They traded Chris Archer, who I thought they were waiting too long on. I thought they should have moved him earlier. They go and get Austin Meadows and uh, Glass now. yeah. Uh, two top prospects. Uh, ready now MLB yeah. prospects. Both those guys are looking pretty good so far. Yeah. Wow. And they got another guy, like a, a third prospect yeah, thrown yeah. in with those two yeah. guys. I could, so, they're, like, who they're going to have for, like, five or six years compared to Chris Archer's three years yeah. or whatever. Whereas Chris, Chris Archer is kind of in a decline, you know. He's kind of trending the wrong way. Yeah. So, so but, I could not believe. No wonder why they traded him. Like, they yeah. finally they found they, they They got what they needed. Uh, then they go and trade Trevor Bauer, who I thought was not Trevor Bauer, but uh, Bauer, the hitter. To oh, Cleveland. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they traded for Yandy Diaz. Yeah. Uh, who's been, uh, who has one of the hardest hit average velocity balls, but his uh, his launch angle was like negative. So, like, he was hitting balls into the ground. He could hit balls harder than anybody, but his launch <laughs> yeah. angle was like not good. So, he fix wasn't. That launch angle. Yeah, so he wasn't hitting, he, he would hit like one or two home runs. Well, he's already got like six or seven this year. They, they like fixed his swing, and like, this, if this guy can hit. 30 something home runs with his average and I like this guy could be a legit stud. Yeah, yeah, he's looking that way. I mean, you have him, don't you? I have him for the fantasy leagues. Yeah, I do. That's what I thought. Um, but they're just they're just able to like I I am back on the race. Like what they're oh, able yeah. to do and it's hard not I'm, to be. Yeah. I, you buy back in. So, I don't know if they, they just had deeper pillars placed in within the organization besides those top two guys that they lost. Or what? But I'm yeah, in. Their their pitching is unreal. I mean, they they lead the league in ERA. Yeah. Uh, they 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 were the first to use openers, but yeah. they have a bunch of like they're really they're, they're just so deep. Every yeah. guy they throw out, even the bullpen like uh, Diego Castillo, um, Jalen Beeks, who's a guy who's like comes in and like pitches three four innings here or there. But like they got him from like the Red Sox in a trade that I thought they did really good on. Uh, I want to say it was I forgot who they traded from last year, but like it's a guy that I like. Um. Again, putting up stud numbers though, coming into that middle relief or three or four innings in the after an opener or whatever. Like they're just what they're doing is just really smart. They've got yeah. a total team buy-in. They're just really deep, um, and they they just play hard. They come at you. It's just kind of funny hearing some of this old school versus new school baseball arguments uh, because being that I had such a limited history with baseball, you know, not really like I said earlier, I didn't really get into it till two thousand seven. Yeah, so. Some of these things, like that, were just you know cemented in everybody's brains. Like, just kind of didn't make much sense to me. I didn't understand why, 
you couldn't, you know, because I've seen so many times where a mediocre starter has just turned into a dominant reliever. Yeah. And I just kind of would wonder, you know, yeah. you see all these metrics again of, you know, guys, you know, the more times they are through the lineup, you know, yeah. obviously it's a, you know, your pitching suffers. Yeah. So. Uh, I think some of it's like partly ego. Like there's something that comes with like these guys and I get it. Like, yeah. I'm a gamer. Like, if I'm a starting pitcher, I want to go seven. I want to, like, dominate a game. Yeah. You I, don't, you know. I think it was Jeff uh, Samarja said something on Twitter. Like, you know, these guys should be ashamed, you know. Like, you should want to take the ball and be like, this is my start. Kind See, of like, I, think that's, I think that's ego yeah, driven and that's right ego. There. I mean, yeah, look how the Giants are doing. Yeah. So <laughs> That's about me. And I get the competitiveness of, like, wanting to be like that. But when you're trying to win a game and you're, like, strategy is a part of the game. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly working. Yeah. So, like, understand that if you're coming in multiple times throughout the week rather than just once or twice and you're uh, contributing, it's just as good of a factor to it than just, you know, playing that one game yeah. where you could go seven, eight innings. Like, it's all math. Absolutely. And, I, I mean, it's not like they're abandoning the whole classic starter model I mean, yeah. completely. They still have Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. Yeah. You know? But you got to prove it yourself. Yeah. Like, you have to earn it now. So it's almost like a higher pedigree, almost of a label. Like a starting pitcher, like, no, you better be pretty good if you want this job. You gotta, you gotta earn it. So, sorry, Jeff Samarja, if you're putting out a five-five ERA, yeah. like you don't deserve it. Yeah, we got to come up with a different plan because that's not working. Yeah, and I, that's an ego hit for some of these guys. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, and I'm sure it's a lot of you know their bias because of their pay, and I'm sure it'll affect that. You know, if they're not. Pitching is deep, and well, then you re then you like when you come into the pay scale, you kind of like readjust on how what you're mm -hmm. looking at and stuff yeah. like that. Like you just figure out what you know. Now the numbers show you what's more important. You know, oh, I'm a guy who comes in heavy duty, sixth, seventh, and eighth, or whatever in the high high leverage spots. We know that I'm coming in high leverage spots, so now I'm I know I'm worth this much because that's yeah. So you just when you come to negotiations, like you you just readjust the data and. Show what you're worth, or get you know, and wait it out till if you yeah. have to. I mean, that's what guys are doing right now. Yeah. And I mean, some similar would have to happen if we're transitioning to seven inning baseball anyway, too. Yeah, right. so. when is that happening? Seven inning baseball, come on, everybody will enjoy it so much more. Yeah, you'd have to think that, yeah, they're obviously going to use like you know, seven inning baseball would obviously employ like openers and using you know, multiple pitchers. Yeah, or if you're then you can do complete games because nobody does yeah, complete yeah. games anymore, but like if you're that good and dominant, now you can do that complete game without trying to kill somebody. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's the risk because you're like, because that'd be awesome. I would love to see more complete ga a guy dominate games. If you're that good, you, you, you can't, your team can't go lose the game for you. Mm -hmm. If you can go pitch seven innings, no runs, you're you know, you, you should get a win. You should, you know, so uh, instead of relying on the back of your bullpen, if it sucks or something like that. Yeah. I, I just don't get why so many people in baseball are just so resistant to change. And it's, you know, you need to, you need to adopt to the times. I mean, you know, everybody's so, you know, hurt over these bat flips and all. That's uh, the type of stuff you need to, to draw people I to know. the game. Again, I, you get criticism from no matter yeah. what you do. If you do do a bat flip, you get criticism. If you don't ever do one, yeah. you get criticism because you're not, like, excited enough. So it's just – I never I – know. It's. I think the conclusion we're kind of coming to here is just uh, major league pitchers are just too damn touchy and emotionally. Yeah. I mean – I, it seems like pitchers get to celebrate. You know, they strike a guy out, they fist pump, and they're like, you know, yelling and stuff. Yeah, they're, and oh yeah, they're screaming, like ah! shuff, shuffling off the mound and all that. But one guy stares at his home run for a second too long, and oh, I got to throw ninety plus at his head. Yeah, you know, like it yeah. just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, like it, uh, I think Amir Garrett. You know, being that he's a two-sport athlete, you know, in college. Yeah, he was kind of talking about. He's like, you know, a guy dunks on you, like you can't, you know. Yeah. 
Like these guys are just too touchy. Yeah, like any yeah. other sport, it's like a double standard. It's just you, you know, any other sport, there's nothing like that. Where you know, baseball, you're just not allowed to show any kind of emotion, or you know, you got to be a robot, just hit your home run and run the bases. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, no matter what happens, though, like people are going to complain if you're too excited, if you're not excited enough. Like it's not enough for yeah. people. No, yeah, there's no, yeah. You, people complain about Mike Trout. Yeah, like Mike Trout plays. Just how like all these old school guys want somebody yeah. to play, and he still gets criticized. Like as a coach, he's your dream guy. Yeah, he's literally your dream guy. He goes out, does what he needs to do. He gets better day in day out. He puts his work. He shuts his mouth. Yeah. Like he gives back to the community. He's just a, a model citizen. I mean, yeah. just an overall model human being. Yeah, like if you want a kid, this is the kid you want yeah. like to grow up to be. Yeah, and the commissioner has the balls to say that the marketing problems are on Trout. Yeah, I mean, come like, on, man. You're yeah. the commissioner. Like, that guy, Trout's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's yeah. He's on pace to be the best, best player of all time. Yeah, because he's, yeah, not Puig, licking yeah. bats and stuff or something. Yeah. Like, see what that guy's doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. in comparison? Like, yeah. Like, Puig is a guy who could learn something, I feel like, from him. He, yeah. Puig's a little evil. Learn a few things, yeah. Well, you know, like. He was so excited to get out of L.A., a place that he'd love to probably be in at first with all the spotlight and stuff like that. But, like, he just – he has so much talent. He really yeah. does. If someone could get to that guy and, yeah. like, focus him in, he could be one of the best players. But I don't think he ever will be just yeah. because he's so wild. He just has a, a horrible attitude. Just I can't believe those comments he made about not trying because he's under contract with the Dodgers yeah. and all that stuff he says. I mean, it just – it does seem like he only rises to, you know, Sunday night baseball. Yeah. Or, like, when he went back to L.A. and, you know, hit that home run off Kershaw. Yeah. He just does blips like that. But overall, he, just ha- he has- actually hasn't been that good this year. Yeah. This last week he's been all right, but like, I've been his- disappointed with him. You look at his highlight reel, it gets you excited. Like, yeah, like oh, exactly. my, like, he could put up a highlight reel. Yeah. But when you look at the numbers day in and day out, year to year, just – not top level. And yeah. he could, like, he has all the top level skills. Has an arm, can hit bombs, just not pay, like, he just yeah. doesn't have the mental game. Yeah. And I'm sure it's tough coming over here from another country and getting used yes. to all the lights and the the fame and partying. And, but I mean, eventually, you know, you got to do something. Man. Well, a lot of those guys had to, like, smuggled in and stuff like that, coming yeah. from, like, Cuba and stuff. And I don't, I remember reading a couple of their stories, man. It's crazy. Cause, oh, like, yeah. Like, uh, I want to say, like, gangs are after, like, your family and stuff. Like, it's just crazy, that life coming over. And then to come over here, because if I remember, I think it was Puig, like, I was reading articles, that he he was, like, having a hard time sleeping and stuff like that because people were coming after him. He was afraid people were coming after him. Yeah. Uh, Coming from Cuba. Just crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a lot to deal with, but, yeah, he's just... He's a little too cocky for me for the what the results have been so far. Yeah, he's too much on Instagram. If you follow him on Twitter and Instagram, yeah. like he's all over taking videos and like he's too worried about like wearing Gucci suits yeah. and like just showboaty and stuff like that. Which I know guys like Deion Sanders were and stuff like yeah. that, but like he backed it up. Yeah, yeah. Deion, Deion played, man. Like yeah, Deion wasn't gonna get beat. Yeah, in football and he was, you know, he's the man in baseball too. Like, well, yeah, say what you want about him, but he like did the work. He came in. He was a gamer, man. Yeah, like Puig's not a gamer. No, I mean he's a, he's a himselfer. I I know I'm a little biased, but I honestly think the uh, uh, a guy that's a perfect model of what you should be kind of balance of this is Alex Bregman. Yeah, I mean I really think he's a guy that you know he's flashy. He's on you know he still does social media stuff, very active on there. He still celebrates and he's you know very passionate, but he backs it up. Yeah, yeah, especially in clutch moments too. I mean he's been a great playoff 
you know, performer. Oh yeah, he's been really good for the. I mean, just added to that Astros lineup, man. Yeah, everybody's batting over nine hundred OPS on that team. He was basically. instrumental in that World Series run for yeah. sure, and he's a rookie. Yeah, I mean, some of the plays he made in that World Series as a rookie, just he looked, you know, like he had you know ice in his veins. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. straight out of college. Yeah, you know, honestly, that postseason is what turned. I mean, I knew I loved the guy, and yeah, I wanted him yeah. for our fantasy league. Uh, the Houston Astros are 16 and 11, so they're not leading yeah. their division right now because Seattle's 18 and 12. But I imagine the Astros are going to move up. I don't see Seattle. Like, it's, Seattle's been crazy because no one expected them to be this good. They were supposed to go to rebuild mode right away, and they're winning. Um, yeah, they their offense has been really good. Yeah. They're so, pitching. We'll see how that yeah. lasts throughout the year. They've been kind of overachieving. Yeah. But from starting pitcher to bullpen, like yeah. I just, it'd be a, it'd be a miracle season because Seattle's been going at it every year, and they like just can't do it. They just can't even make the playoffs. They're like finally like, okay, we're gonna rebuild. Yeah, <laughs> now they yeah, now they're in the lead. Now they're like, oh my god, now do we, what do we do? So yeah, yeah, my uh, my boy Domingo Santana has been yeah. a key part of that offense. Yeah, uh, they've just I don't know what they just put a team Vogelbach and Edwin and. They're just doing it somehow. I mean, so I expect them to trade Edwin at some point, but if you're winning, how do you trade the guy? Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, to go <clears throat> basically, uh, MLB so far, Tampa's up good, Yankees up big. Uh, in the West, you got Seattle and Houston, and then obviously the Twins and the Indians for the Central. Tigers, again, one game under 500. Uh, going to the National League. The Phillies are at 15 to 12. We both liked, I'm, I know you like the Phillies. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of big additions. So they're leading that division, which is still close. The Mets are 13 to 13. The Braves, 12 and 14. The Nationals, 11 and 14. Any of those teams, I feel like, could win that division still. I still like probably Philly the best. Yeah. Do you like Philly the best? Yeah. Uh, a lot's going to depend. Uh, Atlanta seems to be the, the front runner for Kimbrel. Okay. Right now, I think that could uh, sway things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, both those teams, the, I think Phillies and the Braves have the most they could add, like with their farm systems and how much money they have available. I could see them adding pieces throughout the year at some yeah. point if they definitely feel like they're going for it this year. Yeah. That's the thing about the Braves is they, they still have plenty of pitchers that are, you know, top 100 prospects to call up. Yeah. Or if they want to trade one of those and try to really go yeah. after it and get some pieces or something yeah, exactly. like that. Yeah, they definitely could if they wanted to. Um, you can definitely get a draw premium return for a top 100 prospect. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in the Central, the Cardinals, 16 to 10. Yeah. I was kind of a little doubt on them. I wasn't sure. Uh, Never underestimate the impact of Goldschmidt. Yeah. You know, Goldschmidt's just in the middle of that lineup. He's just a really good player. Right? It's just, yeah. A nice addition. He's another guy like Trout, obviously nowhere near as good, but yeah. like he's just he puts his head down and he just works, man. Yeah, there's like, probably a lot of people that don't even I mean, if you're not a big baseball fan, you might even know who Paul Goldschmidt is. Yeah, he he played on the West Coast all those years and he would often play when people are fast asleep here on the East Coast. Yeah. And, but, but consistent perennial like MVP talks for the National yeah. League, just up there, really good hitter, really good first baseman, steal some bases as yeah. first baseman. Yeah, so. I mean you could plug that guy in the middle of any major league team and you just count on him day in and yeah. day out to contribute. The Cardinals are a team that you kind of give the benefit to the doubt when they make decisions. Like, yeah, you they're trust a good organization. Them. Good organization. Even though they were caught a, a little while back, weren't they stealing uh, data or something from the Astros? Or yeah, something? they got a little bit of trouble. Uh, yeah. Hey, all the teams are trying to do what they got to do. You know, uh, Atlanta got a big trouble for their what they were doing. I don't know what exactly, but they got they lost picks and. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Yeah, the dude say. got kicked out of baseball. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's always like teams trying to like get information, data, and stuff. But Cardinals sixteen to ten, Brewers fifteen to thirteen. I like the Brewers. Cubs thirteen to twelve. Those are those are gonna be your top teams in the Central. I'm looking forward to that race. I like all three of those teams. Yeah. Yeah, that Central is tough. Yeah. Uh, the West, you got the Dodgers, Red Hot Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, 18 and 11. Padres, 16 and 11. Yeah, there, there seems to be a whole new attitude over there, huh? Yeah. With, you know, Tatis and the, the young prospects they yeah. have coming yeah. up. Yeah, so, like, I thought they weren't, they brought Tatis right up, right? The yeah. opening day roster. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're going to, did they do, did, he, did they do a deal with him? You know what? I can't remember. They're, with all the crazy extensions and deals, I don't think they did. I just think that they said, screw it, we're bringing them up. Yeah, and if that's the case, then they could potentially like lose a year. Yeah. And nego- So even if they have to go to negotiate, that gives Tatis the advantage because like, uh, if you go to negotiate, yeah, you just plan on, hey, we're getting that extra year. Now, like, no, you really can't because you brought him up from the opening day roster. Like, they just, Toronto just brought up Vlad for the same reason. They won that extra year of yeah. that first rookie year contract. Yeah. And so makes sense from a financial standpoint, even though it's frustrating for fans. Yeah. So, yeah. But give cre- the Padres some credit for trying to go after it maybe this year. Yeah. You know, being aggressive and if they their best player coming up, you know, and they're from their minors, then helps them now to win games. Yeah. So bit right now they're sixteen and eleven. So that, that would get you in the playoffs. I mean before the season I saw that as a, a pretty weak division, obviously except for the Dodgers. So yeah. Arizona's kind of overachieved here so far. It seems yeah. like I I didn't think Arizona was going to be anywhere near as good. I liked them. I don't know if you really? listened, but I actually was like I had them going to the over at least for the over under. Okay. Like I don't I don't like them to win or anything, but yeah. I thought they were being underestimated. Yeah, um, I definitely thought they were going to be kind of with their you know with Miami and Baltimore, kind of like one of those worst teams in baseball. Yeah, well, no, they're yeah. surprising some teams. I I don't think they're going to you know maybe even be five hundred, but. I think they're better than what people. If I remember the projections, weren't good for them because yeah, a lot of people traded. They traded. They just thought they're getting old. They traded away their best player, Goldschmidt. Like they were. Uh, AJ Pollock left free agency. Went to the Dodgers. Like a lot of teams, you just had them. Yeah. Like okay, they're not going to be very good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I should clarify. I said the Red Sox had the worst run differential. They definitely aren't even close to Miami and Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, those are yeah Miami. Yeah, and but those, I mean, that's a yeah. I, sorry, that should be a given. Those I mean. Hell, could you imagine? We were just speaking of the Tigers, how quickly they turn things around. Like every time I think about like being frustrated with the Tigers not being winning now, I think about being an Orioles fan. Yeah, and how frustrating that has to be. I mean, they really went to win now, and they got stuck with that Chris Davis contract, and they don't even have any prospects. Yeah, they're in a bad place right now. They're in one of the worst places. There's just no hope for this year, future years, anything. And then you're in the division right now with the Rays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees, who are all flush with cash yeah. or prospects or just a great organization. Yeah. I, whereas I think the Tigers could turn this around relatively quickly. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not as far into the future as uh, what, who, so did somebody say 2022 or 2023? Yeah. I think I more like 2021. Yeah. I, mean, I think really like Casey Mize has been tearing it up, you know, 0.35 ERA or something, yep. 26 innings. I know it's only a ball, but he just got still. moved up to double A. So we'll see. Yeah. He's yeah. moving up. And uh, I think Manning's also done well. And I mean, we just have we have some stud pitchers. Yeah, that are down there, and obviously not all of them are going to work out. But I mean, some of them will. Oh, it'd be amazing if they all did, man. If we just went yeah. deep, man, because that was nice. Our pitching was dominant at one point when we oh, had yeah. Verlander and Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez. It's crazy to even think about that we had all these people that yeah. are just like the best players scattered all over the league now. Yeah, dude, we were just oh, so JD good. JD Martinez and Scherzer, and wow. 
Berlinger. to where we are now. I mean, we still have Cabrera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had. A <laughs> he had a home run yeah, the other day. He's actually Oppo. Been, he's been heating up a little bit. Carlos Rodon could not believe that went out, but yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> he hit one Oppo. I hope he heats up, man. I hope he gets it. I I would love to to trade him. Yeah, if somebody would take that contract, I, yeah. I'd love it. Free that space up for the future, you know. Yeah, all that money, thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, just thirty million would get you a lot. It's just hard to see somebody paying for it. I mean, he would bring a lot of fans into the stands, though. Just being that, you know, he's one of the best hitters of our time. Yeah, I mean, he's not anymore, though. Yeah, exactly. He's, people know. don't always appreciate, you know, what a guy has done, especially younger people. Yeah. Unless you like, but like, yeah, some Tiger diehards would definitely yeah. like, you know. I'm sure eventually here he'll be chasing some milestones. Yeah. Maybe I mean that always brings fans in, but yeah, I don't th- I don't see anybody taking on a thirty million dollar contract for him though. The same we time. would have to eat a lot of it. Yeah. We'd have to eat a lot of it and probably wouldn't even get much in return. Like I don't know if we could get anything in return. No. But again, you know, it's uh at least things are looking bright for the future of the, the Tigers. So I mean and, and we got a couple pieces, you know, like Shane Green's been unreal this year and hopefully we can turn that into something. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, you know I I was surprised we didn't trade him last year. I was hoping we would trade him last yeah. year because I thought that we could get more because there'd be more on his contract. You know, like a couple. You know, somebody get a couple years out of him. Yeah. So I really hope we move him. Yeah. What the Tigers really need is, I mean, we need some offensive firepower. Yeah. Prospects. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a lot of in the organization hitting wise or whatever. Yeah. A lot of guys with like decent upside, but yeah, nobody. We don't have a top hitting yeah. prospect. We got guys like you know, like Daz Cameron, and you know, he's he's intriguing. And good, yes. But you know, and we got uh, you know, Parker Meadows is a guy I like that we just got last year. Yeah. Which is uh, you know, uh, the other Meadows' brother. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about the he's, Austin Meadows. He seems so. like a well-rounded, good player with some upside. Yeah. Um, you're really big into actually collecting baseball cards. Ah, uh, yeah. How'd that even happen? Like, cause it was just more like you never did that growing up. Right? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't into baseball cards at all. Luckily, luckily, growing up because you know, come to you know, in hindsight now, that is one of the worst times to collect baseball cards during the '90s and early yeah. 2000s. Yeah, during the during the late '80s and uh, most of the '90s, there's just a vast oversupply of baseball cards. You know, everybody that wanted a card had one, and there just wasn't any kind of you know limit to the supply out there. And just you know, anybody that knows anything about markets, you know, if you have yeah. unlimited supply. Uh. You know, it's it, going to, you know, hurt your demand. No value. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to devalue it. Exactly. Uh, so then what happened? Uh, so, well, it's kind of funny. It all started, I was kind of looking for a birthday present for you. Okay. And uh, so I was like, you know, okay. Like, I I'd never really looked at baseball cards. I just thought, you know, kind of thought it would be a cool thing. We're all into, really into baseball. You know, maybe get you an autograph card. I was very naive at the time. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get him a, you know, autograph card of Trout. <laughs> so until I started looking. And then that kind of really opened my eyes when I started looking on eBay and looking at just the prices of some of these cards. I'm like, man, people are paying this much for baseball cards? <laughs> and I started learning about the market a little bit now. And then there's kind of been a resurgence in the whole baseball card market, you know, here in the, you know, the, the 2010s. Yeah. Uh and they, just because they fixed a lot of those supply problems we were talking about before, whereas now you know uh, cards have serial numbers you know, that tell you exactly how many it is out of how however many there are, yeah. and it just you know it's it's easier too. There's there's grading companies, so you kind of you know reduce the risk of buying some kind of you know clunker online. Yeah, it's harder to be uh, scammed, I guess now, right? Yeah, I mean it's still possible with counterfeits and everything, but you know you got to be careful and kind of know what you're doing. Yeah, but uh, it's definitely definitely promising. I mean, so yeah, I, I started off looking for a birthday present for you, and uh, 
I ended up getting you an Eloy Jimenez uh, card. I, yeah. A guy I thought that was a good value at the time, and it, and it ended up being. I mean, that I think that card's like tripled in value. Yeah, because you got it for like what, probably like one eighty or something. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I want to say it's probably like about five hundred now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, it's a little over five hundred. So I mean, not yeah. bad. Yeah. It's actually been a couple. Yeah, usually I check it all the time to see where it's at. Yeah, uh, but it's been a few weeks probably. Like once he got called up, like a new he's called up, I was excited. It went up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't know who Eloy Jimenez, he's a outfielder. Uh, prospect rookie this year for the Chicago White Sox. He's supposed to be really good. He's supposed to like hit bombs. Yeah. So, uh, so, so it, yeah, it started with a birthday present, and then eventually, like you know, I was you know after looking at how much people are paying for these and flipping them and just observing how the market, you know, how these cards were appreciating over time, I just thought, hey, you know, it's what another it's another way to utilize all this baseball knowledge that we have. Yeah. So you know, just to turn it into you know, so I've kind of I've taken some of my winnings. Over these last years, and kind of turned them into baseball, put them into baseball cards, and it's done pretty well so far. Yeah, I've kind uh, of doubled my money on it so far. So, so yeah, what you've put into it, like mm-hmm. what if you were to like value all your cards together, it'd be double. About. Yeah, yeah, be double what I've invested. I've seen you. You get pretty lucky. You've gotten pretty lucky a couple times. <laughs> yes, like drawing yes. cards. Yeah, there's definitely some beginner's luck there. So, uh, I mean, if I were to recommend anybody getting into it, uh, the the best thing I would recommend is just you know. Buy the cards you want off eBay. Just target them. It's probably just the best way to go about it. Yeah. I mean, ripping ripping wax and opening cases is fun, but your odds just aren't very good. Like you were just saying, Tom, I mean, I got very lucky. The first box I ever bought, I ended up getting an Ahmad Rosario rookie card, uh, Red Parallel, which is, for people that don't know, it's to five. So yeah. it's basically it's a, you know, I got a one out of five card that's autographed, and it's his rookie card. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. Pretty good card, even though Ahmad Rosario hasn't done a ton so far. I mean, he's a top prospect. Yeah, yeah. So just what that card could be, I mean, to give you an idea, like any a similar card of a you know well established player like Aaron Judge or something, that card's going to be well over a couple grand. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a, there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, um, but but for the most part, it's it's kind of actually more often than not, you're not going to get your money back out of opening a case of cards or you know a box of cards. Yeah, more often than not, but so it is fun. So you're almost better off trying to get guys that you really like who you think might get better and yeah. like get be- you know become Hall of Famers and stuff. That's really almost yeah. like kind of like what through talking to you and learning from you is that like you don't even want to mess with most of the cards. You want like top end. Yeah. Yeah, cards. exactly. Like I so I just I don't mess around. I mean, one of the good things I guess about getting boxes is if you want a ton of the cards or you want a complete set, that's cool. But I only really mess around with like so the main cards that are are good for investing is there's you want a guy's first card you know his first pro- yeah. card is a prospect that's autographed or you want his rookie card which is when he comes up you know you, you can't have a rookie card until you're actually you know called up or you're about to be rookie eligible yeah so like for instance a guy like Vlad Guerrero his his prospect card was in 2016 yeah but his rookie card would be released this year okay and the sets this year yeah so but th- those so those are primarily what I focus on and I try to buy graded too you know so yeah it, it, so if you're getting a card like that, you're limiting any kind of version of the card. You're limiting yourself like probably only 3,000 people are going to have it, which, I mean, that sounds like a lot, but, you know, there's 40,000 people that go to a baseball game. Yeah. And especially if you get a big market, there, there's a lot of different variables here that come into yeah. play. Like a bigger market is, influences a, a player's cost too, you know. Like yeah. If you get a Yankee or even a Met, I mean, there's just more people with money in New York, you know. Yeah. And more fans, and the more people that want a card, you know, there's just the more scarce. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a market. Yeah. So you know, it's it's really buy low, sell high. Um, I I find the the best milestones to sell. So I mean, like, if you think a guy's gonna be a Hall of Famer, 
you want, you probably just want to buy and hold forever. Because I mean, that card should just appreciate for you know forever. So it's so funny, like talking like stocks. It was like talking stocks right here, basically. Like yeah. if you're like trying to like buy a company, like yeah, hold, buy and hold. But but there's a lot of guys that. So here's what I would consider the best milestones to sell on. Uh, you want to sell when a guy gets called up. That's always a good one. Uh, when he's having an All Star or MVP level season, especially if you don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, like you want to sell him as soon as he has an MVP level season. Yeah. Uh, if he is a Hall of Famer, the year he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, there's going to be a spike in the price. Nice. And then uh, when he dies, the year he dies, unfortunately. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, that's another, unfortunately, it's a good time to sell. Wow. Because there's a lot of, you just got to think, you know, when's he in the news? If, if yep. there's news about the guy and a lot of people are thinking about him, then. So when he gets called up, mm-hmm. milestones. Did you say milestones? Yeah. Just, all these are kind yeah. of just milestones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know. Or MVP type seasons yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. All-star MVP level of season. And then uh, getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. Inducted when he dies. Yeah, when he dies. That's crazy. Yeah, but uh, so making money off someone's death. Come on, that's sick. <laughs> I, I personally have never done that one yet. So I mean. <laughs> that's what you're waiting for. None of them died yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wait for all your guys to die so you yeah. can sell your cards. But yeah, like a, a guy that I think like a, I have like Verlander, you know, and that's a card I, I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So I yeah. mean, that's not a card I don't think I'd, I'd ever really. And being that I'm such a Tigers fan, I, it's a I card was I probably there when you. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, I was there when you first kind of like got into like getting these cars and looking them up and like kind of like so again, you're a numbers guy, you're your finance and stuff. So you're like you you create what you do is you take you're like okay, I'm gonna create an Excel spreadsheet with all these guys. Yeah, I'm gonna list these guys. I'm gonna put all their card value numbers and stuff mm-hmm. and kind of find out what I disagree with or why huh why is this guy not worth as much and stuff like that. Yeah, I I yeah I started off I kind of listed all of the guys I would be interested in in Excel. You know, like all the best young players in the MLB. Yeah, and I kind of just listed what their current prices are for their different cards and yeah. I, I kind of spotted inefficiencies i thought like yeah. you know but what what where did i disagree with what the market was telling me and yeah. try to you know capitalize one of them was actually Eloy jimenez was yeah like you said the card that you got me because you were looking at the other yeah. prospects around him and like he'd, they'd be like worth like vlad greer jr was worth like seven times more or something yeah. it, it's funny it'll probably surprise a lot of people that that's like the one i have every good young player in baseball except for vlad guerrero because i just can't bring myself to spend that much money on it's a baseball a lo- card yeah how much is this card going for oh shit it's at least 1200 now and this guy just started playing major league baseball yeah. this week yeah. and but there's such a consensus that he's going to be a you know no doubt hall of famer so i mean it just it, you're not going to get a value but the, the thing is, is if he ends up living up to the hype like a guy like mike trout his card his base level card is like seven hundred seven thousand dollars yeah a base level card is just any card of them uh, uh just an autograph of his oh. first uh, uh prospect card oh, okay but i should say that uh, mike trout is one of those guys where you could get a card even from this year any mike trout autograph card in good shape is going to sell for at least minimum of five hundred to a thousand dollars yeah i mean he's just that good yeah like we're, we're talking best ever yeah. possibly because that's the thing with a guy like that so you got to kind of think how a collector would think there's going to be a guy out there that wants every single Mike Trout card. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's just collecting every Well, there year. is a guy. Yeah. His name's Vegas Dave or something? Oh, yeah, 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 the Vegas Dave guy, which, you know, he's he's a little ridiculous <laughs> with his, you know, his, you know, his personality and everything. But that's one thing, the baseball cards, he has a good grasp on with uh, how, you know, he's kind of like bought up the Mike Trout high-end market. Yeah, of, he, like, uh, owns it. Yeah. And so now anybody else, like, wants to get into it, like, they have to go almost go through him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives you a lot of power. Yeah, all so, the power. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, like, this Vegas Dave guy, he kind of made his claim to fame uh, on predicting. He put a big futures bet on the Royals to win the World Series when they did. I think it was, what, 2015 or whatever. 
Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. he made a, he made millions on putting some huge Royals futures bet. So yeah, so now he's like a gambler, and now he's a Mike Trout collector. Yeah, collector. yeah. So now a lot of people listen to his gambling. He's you know he's trying to peddle gambling picks on Twitter. Yeah, but, you know that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like get one big thing the fave so that I can yeah. people listen to me what I got to say about <laughs> lose their money. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, baseball cards it's fun. Um, another I've got shed into it a little bit. What a nice there's so many nice angles of this is that you know one we're big baseball fans. Yes. And unlike when buy, when you buy into stocks or something, these are a nice little art piece, a display piece. You know, like I have my cards hanging on the wall, so I kind of look at them. You know, they do really look really nice. You've done a good job of uh, is it tops? Yeah, yeah. Like especially like the tops chrome and stuff like that. They've done a really good job of making like really good. You're just looking at the cards. Yeah, they look really nice. And then like. When you compare like the same card, same guy, but like comparing like two different, you could see like a not a good one and a not a, like a like yeah. a, a ten yeah and stuff. It's just yeah yeah. When crazy. you're looking to buy a card, yeah, you just want you get kind of an eye test. You know, you look at it, like does it look good to me? Yeah, you know? like, and not all cards come out the same. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a thing too. Is yeah, there's cards that are you know just factory defects. It's off center or it's, there's yeah. you know like the printing machine made like a little dot in it or something. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. So there might be 25 of a card, but only one 10, like one really good one. So it's really like, that looks yeah. like the elite of the elite oh, yeah. one. And that it. cuts the supply even more. Yeah. Yeah. When I was like, telling you like, yeah, pretty much there's like 3000 of a guy's autographed, like prospect card somewhere in that range. And then, yeah, it, you know, based on the different color parallels you get, it gets rarer and rarer versions yeah. of the card. Crazy. It's a crazy yeah. market. Uh, I only have my one card. Yeah. I love it. I love just following my one card. So I'm glad because I, I really tried to like not just get you a card to get you a card. I wanted to, you know, get a card that I thought would appreciate well yeah. too. You know, and I, it was a good player. Yeah. I, I thought it was just kind of the perfect timing to get him because for some reason, even though he's a top prospect, you know, I, I maybe it was because he was an international prospect. Maybe you know, he came over, he wasn't drafted traditionally. Yeah. I think uh, you know, and he had a kind of a goofy name. Yeah. Just many people weren't as high on him as I felt they should be. Yeah. When you looked at the numbers yeah. and like what he was doing and yeah. where he was rated prospect wise. Yeah, like like we were just saying, like, you know, Vlad Guerrero's twelve hundred dollars. You know, and this guy's you know, even last year when I bought the Eloy card, like Vlad Guerrero's like probably eight hundred dollars oh, yeah. or so. Yeah. And you know, and then I see like Eloy's at 180. Then I'll, don't get me wrong, Vlad's way better than Eloy. Or yeah. not way better, but he's better than Eloy, in my opinion, but not that much better. Yeah, not yeah, not four or five times better chances, yeah. you know. I thought Eloy had a good you know, he's he's maybe a poor version's poor version of you know, Vlad Guerrero, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He shouldn't have been that low, much lower. No, but uh, yeah, no. The baseball, like I was saying with Chet, what's nice about it is so he's built up a collection. You know, I've kind of helped him build up a collection, and it's nice. He's putting it, you know, in his kid's room, yeah. Jake, so he can grow up. You know, not only is it kind of an investment for him, yeah, it kind of you know gets him to appreciate baseball and get into baseball. I think yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's really exciting for him. You yeah, know? especially that's my godson, so I want him to be into baseball and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited that Chet's done that for him. Uh, but I was there when you, you almost bought a bet yeah. last year. You saw that, that you're like, yeah. why is this guy kind of low and stuff? And you waited, you hesitated. And then since then you went on an MVP run basically, yeah. uh, out of this world, but you did buy a Justin Verlander one, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of rare. Cause that was like, that's like early on when they kind of went to the transition to this market. Yeah. So most of these cards that this new era of cards are from, like, the most expensive one is the 2001 Albert Pujols. So that gives you an idea kind of when it started. So early 2000s. Yeah, like, the early 2000s is when, you know, first Tops became, like, you know, I should mention that, too. Tops pretty much has, like, you know, the the only ones that can use the MLB license. Okay. So that's – it makes it easy. Like, you know, you can go to a Tops card. Yeah. And I should say Bowman is owned by Tops. Bowman, Bowman is just a Tops card that are prospect cards. Oh, really? So when I say a first Bowman, that's, that's what that means. It's still a Tops card. Okay. But then, like – 
when it's a rookie card, it's going to say tops on it. When it's a prospect card, it's going to say Bowman on it. Okay. But basically, it's both tops. But th- those are the two c- types of cards I focus on, and pretty much all of the cards in my collection are uh, either first Bowman prospect cards or, you know, just traditional rookie cards. Yeah. That are autographed. So the Verlander one is a first prospect one. Was it? A- yeah. Yep. So that was a two thousand four. Or maybe 2005. Yeah. Uh, prospect card. Yeah. And it's a refractor. So it's like one out of 500. It's got like the old school look to it. It's just yeah. funny because you could tell like it's like, it's weird to say that that's old school. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely like an old school look to it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It definitely doesn't look as flashy as newer cards. But yeah. I, I love Verlander. And so being a Tigers fan, it was just a, it was a no doubter for me. And yeah. Well, I think you bought him. That was one of your first cards that you bought because yeah. uh, I was there with you and it was like, what, through eBay auction? Yep, it was just through eBay auction. I saw it listed there, and, you know, it was before last season kind of started. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he had a great season. Yeah. So, yeah, like, now knowing that, like, I wonder, like, what is that it's worth? Because he just had basically almost an MVP, or not MVP, but Cy Young. He finished second. He at least had some of the first place votes. If he could do another performance like that, like, he's just taken to another level, like, Hall of Fame-wise and stuff like that. So, like, that when you are becoming elite amongst the elite – you're going to be worth a lot. Like, I just feel like that card has an opportunity in, like, sh- relatively short. Like, some of these cards, you got to wait yeah. 10, 15 seasons. Like, we're towards the end of this guy's career, oh, and yeah. he just took it back up. Like, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the next few years on that card. I'm excited. I'm, I am I get excited to watch a JV for you. Now you have, yeah. like, your fantasy team, too. So yeah, like, yeah. Like, double reason. Oh, yeah. Everybody should have seen that coming. I mean, yeah, right? You got his rookie. Like, why would you want more reason to vote, like, yeah. cheer this guy out? Oh, yeah. I want I, yeah. I just want nothing but good uh, good vibes out towards Verlander. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he's been amazing. Like, it's I cannot believe, like, the comeback that he has made. Yeah, he really reinvented himself over there in Houston. Yeah. Uh, he It started off a little bit towards the end of his tenure here a little bit, and then we, we were able, like, luckily he started picking up and we were able to trade him because of that. Yep. And then uh, he's been amazing. Brett Strom. Yeah. That's the pitching coach there? Yeah. He's, he was uh, the 2018 coach of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, it's funny. He's an old man. It, it's funny when you Google him, a lot of the articles you'll see is like how this old man is at the forefront of the baseball analytics revolution. You know? <laughs> just It's a guy you wouldn't expect. But they say he's just a perfect – he does a perfect job of balancing you know his old school baseball knowledge he's been in the game for a long time yeah. with the new analytics. Yeah. And – what a lot of those pitchers will say is like, you know, like Morden and all them is they say, you know, it's not like he's trying to change you or turn you into a different guy. He's taking what you already do well and just make maximizing doing your it better. Yeah, yeah, just like, hey, this is what like because some guys sometimes when you play a sport, you know, you do something well, but you can't explain it. Yeah, it just comes naturally. Yeah. So now he's like able to probably explain it mechanically. Hey, this is what you're doing. And if you just do this a little bit more, it's going to give you more. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way of coaching. Yeah, and for every guy, it's different. You know, some guys, it's like, hey, you need to use your curveball more. Other yeah. guys, it's like, hey, you got to use more of the zone. You know, yeah. You're not using the upper part of the zone. That, that's a lot of the – I know Houston's pitching philosophy is, you know, kind of elevated fast High balls. fastballs. Yeah. Yeah, especially with these new swings and stuff, like these launch angles type swings. Uh, but, yeah, like uh, I just watched a video because I want to help my, like, hitters on our team and stuff like that, but, like, Everybody hits different. Yeah. And, uh, different, like, in that, and so, like, I looked up a J.D. Martinez video of them, like, talking about him and his swing on MLB Network, but then after, they're like, listen, not everybody could do the swing. You got to know your swing. And then uh, the one guy on there was talking about his story. Uh, it was Mike Lowell talking about how he, uh, Tony Gwynn, told him, uh, knob, knob to the ball, you know? And he's like, all right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then he went for 0 for 16. And he's like, you know what? That just doesn't work for yeah. me. And so... 
you, as a as an athlete yourself, you get you can only t- you take in information from coaches and you can try to adjust, but you also got to like be comfortable and just figure it out yourself, kind of yeah. too, and know your strengths. It helps with really good coaching like that. Like, Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying about what that coach is able to do. That's a great coaching philosophy, I think, because. If you're trying to like make everybody in a mold that you want or the ter- perfect type of player that you expect, you know, like what you vision and not look at, again, like we were talking about like Belichick, like take what you have, figure out their strength and use that best. Yes. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Instead of trying to force a guy into something he's not. Yeah. Like we want, yeah. Yes. That's hard to do. That's yeah, really I hard bet. to do as a coach. I bet. Because yeah, kind of like what you're saying with, you know, certain guys, different things click for different people. Yeah. You know, even if a guy's giving the right advice, he might not be saying it the right way. Yeah. You know, I learned this just from, you know, playing softball with you guys. You know, yeah. like I said, I have a very limited sports background, never played baseball in my life. And here I am, I'm playing softball with a lot of guys that, you know, used to play baseball and were pretty good at it. But I was surprised to find, like, how many guys, like, had trouble kind of explaining yeah. how to actually hit. You they know? all just say, like, the same terms type Yeah, you of hear thing. all the same thing, like, you know, keep your hands back. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it, it's hard It's hard to verbally explain this stuff. I mean, you have, have to kind of feel it. And there's kind of, you know, there's certain little tips that, you know, you never know which one's going to make it click. Yeah, yeah. But once it, once you do kind of have that aha moment or something, like, then you're like, okay, I've yeah. unhinged something. I figured something out. Like, yeah. So, but it's very hard to get across communicating wise. Um, yeah. and, and just swinging a baseball bat, you know, just rolling over your wrists and doing all, I mean, it's, it's not a very, it's not necessarily intuitive for everyone. Either, no. You know? Yeah. You yeah. don't know how it feels until you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And then to cut through the ball, like to try to hit yeah. through the ball, like it's just a lot to learn yeah. if you've never played it, especially. Yeah. The hardest thing, one of the hardest things for me just playing softball was, is like, I would just would never wait on the ball enough. I was always too hard, too out in front. Yeah, you know, I just wouldn't let the ball come to me close enough. Yeah, because you know I'm nervous. I'm just you know I'm trying just not to bears myself out of there. Yeah, it it just that's kind of you know what comes with you know there's different levels. Like once you become better at a sport, you're thinking deeper, more advanced parts of strategy in the game. Mm-hmm. Like when I was just starting out, I'm just trying to make contact, and not strike. Out, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to like read the spin on the pitch and like you know all that shit. You know, like the second level stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. Once you get comfortable, though, that's the type of stuff you can do, and that's when you really start becoming yeah. a great athlete. And that's what we, as a coach, that's what also, like, the other thing I get frustrated at is, like, I got to remember that. I'm an adult, but I don't know. Like, there's, just, like, certain things. Like, I didn't grow up playing, like, travel ball, baseball, or, like, I didn't play baseball necessarily because I wasn't as good as I was at the other sports. So I kind of more focus on other sports that I, you know, playing hockey and soccer and stuff like that. So, um, you're really good. I mean, yeah. to me, I, I mean, I don't know how much my judgment, but I mean, to me, like, you look great out there in softball. But I, mean, I probably could have been a good baseball player. I just didn't, I lacked a little bit of confidence in myself. And like, I never thought, like, I've made all stars and stuff. I just, but I just, I also wanted a little bit of a break, too, to be a kid, play video games, go have summer. You know, I was always playing sports. So, like, could I have? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's one thing where, where we went to high school. I mean, I don't know, maybe a lot of high schools in the area were like that at the time. But I, I just felt like our high school was bad. If you didn't know something by the time you were in high school and you signed up to play a sport, they just assumed you knew the fundamentals. Yeah. You know, and kind of like what we were just talking about, if you're not comfortable with the fundamentals, you can't advance that next level of, you know, like game theory or whatever, where you're trying, you know, going back and forth with the pitcher yeah. and trying to do those advanced level strategies. Yeah, if you're I mean, not. If you don't know how to run, you know, base running basics yeah. and, you know, just stuff like that. It's just silly to me. I never really appreciated how it's easy to watch baseball. But it's a whole other thing to be put in those different scenarios. There's just unlimited number of scenarios. Yeah, 
where yeah. you have to know exactly what to do, and you have to know in a split second. Yeah, and you get, you it, it gets frustrating because uh, you'll catch guys like not doing the right thing or not you know yeah. making mental mistakes, and you're just like ah yeah. Because I was usually a pretty good mental player in any sport I played. Like I was always about strategy and getting the best. Like because I wasn't in shape like you were and fast as you were, so I tried to I had to you know find other advantages and stuff, find a guy's weak point and yeah. stuff like that. So I, I w- but like kind of what we were talking about with the, like the Lincoln Park attitude though is like I wish that kind of scared me off from you know playing any other sports besides football. You know I wish yeah. I, I wish I kind of would have gotten fat, past that fear and actually would have tried because I've had a lot of fun playing softball. Yeah, you know, but it just again I, you know I'm still insecure about it, but it's just yeah it's it's one of those things like in high school I just felt like it wasn't even an, you know you just don't want to get made fun of and all this yeah. stuff but you got to start somewhere. I think it takes a lot of balls to go out there the softball league and play like they never have played and go out there with these men who just yeah uh, you don't want to let the team down. There's no worse feeling than letting yeah. a team down. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just yeah, but you got to get past that fear and you got to you know try to do it. There's no better feeling than like yeah, being exactly. the guy though too. Exactly. That like you know you don't ever want to just be the guy like you want to be a team player, but like. When the opportunity comes to you, you know, it's it's a great feeling when you yeah. like execute and win because of what you did. Yeah. Yeah, a little stardom. So all right, man. Uh it's about that time. You got anything else? Oh geez. Uh that went by quick. Uh no, uh I was just gonna recommend there's one thing I was gonna recommend because I heard you and Victor talking about getting back into wrestling. Oh yeah. It's kinda interesting because uh I was at Victor's house, uh house sitting when I was listening to you guys on the podcast. That's hilarious. Uh, and just the night before that, I started getting into a show they have on Voiceland called uh, The Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's no. kind of picked up a little bit of popularity. So they kind of go take a deep dive into these like uh, wrestling incidents, kind of like, you know, like unscripted behind the scenes stuff. Oh, really? And they have like all the different wrestlers' perspectives and everybody that was there. Yeah. Uh, the one I happened to watch was about like the Montreal screw job of, screw job of 1997 with Bret Hart. Are you familiar with this at all? No. Uh, do you remember in 1997 when uh, Bret Hart transferred from the WWF to the WCW? I do kind of remember something like that. So he was in the WWF, yeah. and he was the heavyweight champion. Yeah. And he was about to transfer over to WCW, and Vince McMahon was not happy about the whole thing. Oh, my God. And he didn't want him to leave as the champion, though. And the, so the last pay-per-view, the, the last match period that Bret Hart was going to wrestle in was uh, Survivor Series, and he's going to defend his title against Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid himself. And uh, so Vince didn't want him to leave as the champ, but Brett refused to lose. Like, not only was it in Canada where he's from, oh my God. it's against a guy that he actually had, like, this personal beef with, like, Shawn Michaels for a ton of years. Oh, my God. So he's just like, no way in hell I'm losing it. The heartbreak kid. Yeah. So uh, they just came to an agreement, I guess, where, like, there'd, you know, there'd be some kind of interference and a DQ, but Brett would still be the champion and he'd forfeit at a later date. Yeah. Well, so Brett didn't fully trust it, so he met with the referee before the match and had that guy give him his word, said that you will not – you know, you know, tap me out or any, you know, mm-hmm. hit the three, you know, strikes on the mat or I'm not going to lose this title. Yeah. And the guy gave him his word. But then Vince co- met with the referee and told him, like, hey, you want a job, you're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so the match comes and uh, uh, Shawn Michaels gets Bret Hart in the sharpshooter, his signature, his own signature move. And the, the way that it was scripted, though, is Bret Hart was supposed to reverse it and it wasn't supposed to be the end of the match. And but instead, like they ended up just giving a quick submission call. Like tapping Brett out, even though he had his hand on the other guy on Shawn Michaels' leg, about to reverse, and he never tapped out. So oh. like they just called the match, like with his own move, pissed him out. So Bret Hart gets up, starts breaking shit, breaking monitors. And he, uh, the memorable highlight that I remember when I was a kid is he draws WCW with his finger in the middle of the ring, like just a big slap in the face of WWE. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
And then, so he's just pissed off beyond belief. I guess, so, so the referee, uh, they had him, they were interviewing him. He's like, I just, he's like, as soon as I called him out, I ducked out of the ring, ran out of the arena, got in his car and left. <laughs> like that guy? Because Bret Hart's like breaking stuff. He's genuinely pissed. Oh, yeah. Oh, and as a kid, God. it's funny to like look back at this because I kind of remember it. And yeah. I just thought, you know, oh, oh, what a great scripted thing. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Totally. Not, this is like one of the most infamous unscripted moments, I guess, in uh, the history. So anyway, so after Bret Hart goes back to the locker room and Vince McMahon comes there to try to like talk to him about the whole thing. And he's like, you know, get the hell out of here. I'm about to go take a shower. If you're still here when I get back, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. Yeah. And Vince McMahon just like stands there. Oh, so I guess God. Bret Hart, he said, like, <sighs> Bret Hart's telling this whole story on this program. Oh, and he's like, so I go in the shower. He's like, take my time. I come out. He's like, I come out butt ass naked. I get dressed in front of him. He's like, lace up my shoes. And he's still standing there. So he walks right up to him and he just fucking lays an uppercut on him. Oh. And I guess he like lifted, like a bunch of people were there and saw this. And they said Vince McMahon flew into the air. He actually sprained his ankle because he landed on his ankle. Like he flew up in the air from the uppercut, <laughs> hit a black eye and a sprained ankle. And uh, yeah. And then, uh, so then Bret Hart does that and he just walks in. Shawn Michaels, I guess, is by the door and like looks like he's about to cry or something. And like, he thinks like Bret Hart's about to hit him. Instead, Bret just like sticks out his hand. He's like, "Thanks for the good match." Uh, then, like, shakes his hand and walks out. He never comes back to the WWF. Oh my gosh! Uh, so yeah, that was pretty crazy. Uh, and but one of the funniest things about the story was so there's these two writers for the WWF that argue over who came up with the idea for the double cross and pitched it to Vince. It's uh-huh. like two guys like this is their claim to fame. Yeah, they're arguing over who did it. And these two guys hate each other oh over my. this whole thing, over who like came up with it, over like these disputed stories. The one guy actually says, like, he's like, my primary goal in life is to outlive the other guy and to piss on his grave. Oh, my gosh. And, and so the other guy has been trying to get a restraining order to prevent the guy from pissing on his grave. <laughs> not, I shit you not. Like, I had no idea wrestling was so freaking crazy, man. Well, think about it. Like, think, look, what do these guys got to go through? Like, it, In the show, they had uh, the one guy came on there, and he's like, in Tennessee, they got a saying. Wrestling's real. People are fake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, everybody's seen that video of that guy crying, right? It's real. Oh yeah, it's real to me. Damn it. I mean, it's no joke, dude. It for really like is. thirty, forty-year-old dude to be like putting their bodies through that kind of like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, it's not natural for any human body to take that kind of punishment, whether it's scripted or not. You're still you can't. You're not faking flying through the air and landing yeah. you know on tables and all that other shit and then they're traveling all over the place and stuff so like i was uh listening about this guy talk about like sleep studies and stuff like that and like going into like hotel rooms it, like you're only you only have like you're only getting like half the sleep that you would regularly get because your brain knows it's not like and it's like yeah it's a new place yeah it's a new place it's not the regular setting that it's used to and stuff so it can't go fully asleep because it's just not feels like it's endangered and stuff like that. So if you're on the road ever, you're never getting like the quality of sleep that you're like you're supposed to be getting. So like yeah. these guys are just traveling around the world, U.S. Yeah, uh, putting their bodies through crap. Like yeah, and they're independent contractors. Yeah, Did you see ind- that John Oliver? Song? Oh yeah, they're independent contractors. Yeah. So uh, at any point they could be not employed and then have a bunch of medical yeah. bills to pay up. And uh, as you can see, there's a bunch of like uh, GoFundMe's for to pay for some of these. Me- like yeah, and these guys. I mean. Again, produced millions and billions of dollars in this industry. You know, they should at least have medical bills, you would think, covered by putting their... So, kind of reminds me of the whole college football and just... Yeah. You know, these guys got to unionize or something. Vince McMahon's the one that benefits. Yeah. It kind of brings a smile to my face to hear that story about uh, Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't ever feel bad about, like, hearing a bad story, like, about McMahon, really. 
because yeah. he seemed like he'd be a scumbag. It's Which, funny. I, I was never really a fan of Bret Hart when I was a kid, but hearing that story, definitely like, I'm like, man, that's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. It makes me a little, yeah. yeah. As an older guy, definitely like, now I like him a lot more. Because as a kid, I don't know, Bret Hart, just something about him to me was like boring. Seemed like he was like kind of shoved down our throats. Like, oh, he's this technical wrestler who plays by the rules. Yeah. You know, but like as a kid, you know, you want, the, you know, you want to watch The Rock. You want the guys that talk shit. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that, no, that's a, that's a good point about the hotel and the sleep thing. I, I as we've gotten older, I've started to appreciate more things in life that are like that. Like a lot of the uh, that's come out about driving too. Now now that a lot more people have autonomous vehicles, you know, like Teslas, yeah, something with autopilot. A lot of people claim like you know that you know the com- commute to work every day that they're just they have way more mental energy because you don't realize, you know, evolutionary biology. We're not, you know, even though we're desensitized to it, you know, we seem to be, but we're not. From an evolutionary standpoint, we're not shouldn't be used to you know traveling in these big metal boxes, you know, yeah. speeding down seventy five miles an hour down the freeway. Yeah, you know that, that you have to think and you have to make all these micro decisions and reactions and that you don't even think about, but it does you know drain your energy. And people are so skeptic of going to autonomous driving, like like well, yeah. what if somebody dies? I mean, people die every day. I know, I, I oh, know yeah. the answer. That's oh, what I, I reply with, yeah. like, but it's just like, <sighs> I mean, it's it's the greatest chance that you know one, that we have to you know to, something to happen to us this is what i tell you watch live pd and <laughs> yeah. look at the people that are driving yeah, okay. around on your streets and stuff like that yeah. like i'm not saying you're not a terrible driver but a lot of people are yeah we were watching remember that guy was steering without the steering wheel yeah he had no steering. <laughs> yeah he was the, like he just had the steering column and he was like yeah like he just had his hands on the steering column was I, I never, i've around. never seen a thing like that before yeah so geez save us it's very <laughs> yeah it's very yeah that's what i'm saying like but I guess people just have an uneasy feeling knowing that, like, if a robot or something like a glitch kills somebody rather than, yeah. I guess it's easier to accept that if, like, a human does it on the other end. Yeah, for some reason, it's way easier to accept for some reason, you know, thousands of deaths every day under human control and freedom. Yeah. Rather than having maybe, you know, one accidental death every, I don't even know what the stats would be, but yeah, there's not many. No, uh, so my mom brought up, she's like, well, what about that person? I'm like, yeah, everybody knows about that one yeah. person who died. Yeah, can you imagine if we talked about every person that died, even locally, in an automobile yeah. fatality? Yeah. I mean, we'd be talking about it all day. You want teenagers driving around? Yeah. Man, they're idiots. Yeah, and that is the tricky thing, you know, ethically, you know, what when you do mix autonomous vehicles with, you know, human-operated vehicles, you know, the computer does have a tough choice to make if there is, say, like some event that happens where one of the humans fucks up, messes up, and... The computer has to make a decision, like, does this per- does this family of four die, or does this old lady die? Yeah. You know, and somebody's going to die. Yeah. That's a tough... Th- yeah. That nobody ever wants to think about stuff like that. The but, human yeah. might kill all, kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> make worse damage. Like, yeah. not even know that choice, and just yeah. ram into something else, and... Yeah. There just has to be a better... I mean, it's a better alternative. Yeah. I think. I think it's the future. I agree. All right, uh, guys. If uh, you need to check out Planet Ant Podcast Network, or Planet at PlanetAntPodcast.com, uh, you could check out uh, this. You, this episode is powered by Pinecast. Um, check out this episode on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, get Google Play. And while you're at it, after you give out, give me a listen, uh, check out Michael Dupree Variety Hour. Uh, Michael Dupree is a good friend of mine, part of the travel band with me. I've been on his show. It's he's hilarious. He's a great host. A lot of comedy involved usually, and then also some type of local artist, uh, which is always cool to listen to. Uh, maybe hear their music. Uh, also, check out Best Song Ever with uh, Luke and Brian. Uh, Michael Dupree's definitely, he he always puts his episodes out on uh, Mondays. I'm not sure when Luke and Brian do. I'll have to check that out. Um, 
Also, look out for our uh, incubator coming up. If you have any ideas or suggestions, you want to start a new podcast, uh, please submit them, submit them to us. You know, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we would like to try to get, you know, hear what you have to say. And, uh, you know, we're excited about our future. Uh, welcome and thank you for coming. And uh, have a good one, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye.